but you don't even look my way. I really wish you were upstairs with me. I miss you every single day, but you don't even know my name. I really wish you were upstairs. Nothing. What's going on, everybody? It's your boy Jordan, and this is Desmond, and welcome to episode 134 of Two Black Nerds. That's right. It's that time once again for us to bring you our opinions and outtakes on all things fandom, pop culture, and entertainment. As always, you can find Two Black Nerds wherever you get your podcasts. Please make sure to hit that subscribe button and leave us a friendly rating and comment to show your support. And of course, join in on the conversation each and every week by following us on Twitter and Instagram at Two Black Nerds. We appreciate that love, y'all. And let's not forget to mention we have brand new merchandise that's available now at Two Black. Nerds.com. Go check out our Nerds of Thunder collection inspired by Thor Love and Thunder. We got t-shirts, crewnecks, hoodie stickers, mugs, and tote bags. So go ahead and place those orders right now. On today's show, we'll be reviewing the brand new Predator prequel that just premiered on Hulu, Prey. Also, we'll be discussing the murder mystery film from A24, Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. Plus, we have to address the controversial cancellation of DC's Batgirl movie. But before we get to any and all of that, we're kicking off this week's podcast with a review of the new action comedy film starring Brad Pitt, Bullet Train. Hi, there's a gun on it's the quiet car. Gotta use your small inside voice in here, son. There's a gun. God. Talk to me. I am ready. You are getting the new and improved me. Because if you put peace out in the world, you get peace back. I think you might be forgetting what you do for a living. Take the gun. Every job I do, somebody dies. I'm not that guy anymore. Some conflicts require a gun. Hey, this is nice. Okay, what am I snatching and or grabbing? A briefcase. You said you wanted simple for your first job back. It doesn't get simpler. You stab me? Yeah! We ruin your life the way you ruin mine. Dude, I don't even know you! There's nothing simple about this job. Something else going on here. Yeah, I'm not the only one on this train looking for this case. Evan, mm. where's the briefcase? Oh, it's not shit. It was just there. We are right on schedule. Everything that's ever happened to you. This is gonna sting, bitch! Oh. Has led you here. Fate. That's a shit deal. Oh, no, thank you. You know what? Do you have um, anything sparkling? That's the one. Thank you. Domo arigato. Sure you want to talk this out? Not particularly, no. Uh, okay.
Now, this film is directed by David Leach, and it's written by Zach Okowitz, and it's starring Brad Pitt, Joey King, Aaron Taylor-Johnson, Brian Tyree Henry, Andrew Koji, Hiroyuki Sonata, Michael Shannon, Benito A. Martinez Ocasio, a.k.a. Bad Bunny, and Sandra Bullock. So, Bullet Train is one of the last big action tentpole movies that we have this summer. It's really one of the last big budget movies that'll be coming out this summer season, and so I know we were both very much looking forward to this. We talked about it a couple of years ago on the podcast when we were learning mm-hmm. about casting news. We were learning that Brian Tyree Henry had joined up with this movie with Brad Pitt. Mm-hmm. Zazie Beetz joined the cast, and it seemed like it was going to be a really, really fun adventure. And of course, we did go ahead and check this movie out in theaters this past weekend, certainly anticipating in everything what it was going to be. But with that said, man, I'll go ahead and pass it over to you. What did you think about Bullet Train? What a fun time in the movie theater, man. It's just been so long, I think, since we've had one of those um, um, fun action blockbusters where you can turn off your brain and just have a good time and a lot of times we go to the movies and that's what they attempt to be (laughs) but there's no nothing to really take away from it i think bullet train has enough in it to to really satisfy anybody that's looking to scratch that itch i think of of a summer blockbuster again we haven't gotten um a lot of those but if we have they just haven't been great or good really for the most part and so bullet train comes in man it has style it has action. It has character moments. It's just a really fun film. Um, and, and you can tell they had a good time making it, too. Uh, uh, you know, this movie is about uh, an assassin who is pretty much just trying to do his job, man. He thinks he's incredibly unlucky. And he gets on a bullet train with a ton of other assassins. <laughs> and, and that's pretty much what the movie is about. And so... There's just so much happening in 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 this film, but it 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 took I think a lot of you could tell there was still a lot of care in the movie, even though you knew it was going to be uh, somewhat a lot going on um, in in this location. There's a lot of uh, uh, what word am I looking for? A lot of exposition uh, that that happens throughout the film, and it, it it makes sense why they're doing a lot of the exposition. It all doesn't work all the time it's like okay we're going back again to do more exposition i think it makes the movie longer than it needs to be but i understand why they're doing it he's trying to find a different way to tell this story about these people on this train so um i had a good time there too man i think brad pitt clearly he's a star it it just it is what it is um but really the standouts in this film for me was aaron tyler johnson and, and, and brian tyree henry man they every time they were on screen it was just electric uh they just had they had really good banter with each, with each other and i actually uh, as I was watching, I was like, there's no way there's not another movie in here somewhere with these two guys. Like, I would absolutely watch a movie with these with these characters that they had. They don't even have to be these characters, actually. Just put these guys in any movie together, and I'm ready to watch it. Because they were that entertaining to me, man. Especially, I'm pretty sure there's the two dudes who don't have real British accents in the entire movie. <laughs> They're constantly, you know, using British accents. So that was really um, entertaining to watch, of course, too. But... Man, this is this is uh, I think a movie again. I think a lot of people are going to enjoy and have fun with man. Um, they're they're and what I also like about it is the blending of genres here. I don't even know how to explain it because it doesn't completely feel like in a movie full of assassins. You know what I mean? There's like a there's some crazy samurai shonen stuff in here, and there's some I don't know some some actiony. Denzel unstoppable stuff you know what I'm saying like I don't know it's just a it's, it's a bunch of movies 
kind of styles combined, but I love that about it. I loved how somebody set out to make fun, but also give attribution, I think, to the lot of the movies um, that they enjoy, too. So shout out to David Leach, man. I think he did a good job here. Um, but yeah, man, just oh, only only gripes, a little too long for me. Um, I think they definitely could have shortened it. Again, a lot of the ex, ex, um, exposition didn't have to be there. But uh, uh, some of the action is insane. Some stuff I, I wasn't expecting. And, and uh, we've been talking about some movies. Uh, I'm looking at Gray Man, where there's just too much action for no reason. But because of that that ex, uh, the exposition in between and you know the stakes of what's happening on this train, every time action was happening, it wasn't only good, but it makes sense. It's like, of course these people should be fighting right here. Of course this is what should be happening here. And then the last act, when it gets ridiculous, it's like, duh, we've seen this coming. That was getting, There was a buildup to that. And so... Um, I enjoyed all those things about it too, man. So um, I'm gonna leave it to you. But Bullet Train was a, a really fun time for me. Yeah, I have to agree. This was a this was a tremendously fun movie from beginning to end for me. And it was something that I was a little dubious about coming into it, just because these action movies of the modern times can be very much hit or miss. And we've talked about a few of them. Most recently, The Gray Man, you just noted, and there's several others that have gone to streaming that, that just haven't hit the mark for me. And I'm just I'm a huge fan of action films, especially like action comedies. I feel like their golden era was really the '80s. You know, we mm-hmm. saw a lot of just like really explosive, dynamic. 80s action comedies and a lot of that has been lost just because action has been wrapped up into other genres most notably superhero films it doesn't stand out as really its own unique genre as it used to as much anymore mm-hmm. and so coming into this one i was very much looking forward to it and then obviously with the cast that, that rounds it out i was I'm, I'm, I'm interested in pretty much all of these people that are a part of this cast um, but most notably you know david leach and brad pitt have had a long relationship with each other david mm-hmm. leach was brad pitt's stuntman for a very long time they first met on the set of fight club and so they have a they have a rapport with each other they're really good friends and they've worked together I think at least five or six or maybe even seven times before and so David Leach has also like established himself as a really respectable action filmmaker lately because he is kind of one of the only people doing movies like this Mm -hmm. he obviously did tap into superhero films and did Deadpool 2 which I really really enjoy Hobson Shaw not so much but we can't forget that he also technically co-directed John Wick with Chad Stahelski even though he doesn't have like a a directing credit on that movie for, Mm -hmm. for various reasons but he was very much there in that process and so his eye and his ability to, to just make this stuff feel really unique and different than everything else we're getting, I think absolutely stands out also here with Bullet Train because what I noticed very early in the movie, just with the style and everything that it was going for from the dialogue and just the way that the action was communicated on screen, it felt very much like a Guy Ritchie movie. And mm, what I mean by that is, mm. is that just a lot of the script and a lot of the witty dialogue, it, it reminded me of what Guy Ritchie would do with I his earlier it. films, like mm-hmm. Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels, Snatch. Like, it very much is reminiscent of that snappy, witty dialogue. But it's also mixed in with the the stylistic flourishes of, like, a Kill Bill from Quentin Tarantino. Yep, and sure. I think that, that that blending of elements really worked for me. Because, again, we just don't see a lot of stuff like that. It's not as good as a Guy Ritchie movie, and it's not as good as a quentin tarantino movie by any stretch but right. i think pulling from that stuff makes it still very much enjoyable because these this is all visual language that i'm used to seeing and i'm very much uh, i'm accustomed to and i really enjoy and i like it and again we just don't get a lot of it and then you look at the stars and just the cast that that, that comes together and, and and makes this movie 
all of these people, I think you can very much tell that they enjoyed making this. They had a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. Everybody is here having a great time. Brad Pitt, most notably. You know, this isn't his best work by any means, but I think him being the connective tissue amongst everybody and being the glue as the as the leading star here, he works perfectly for that scenario because he's just kind of a guy that ends up in, in a situation that he's really unprepared for and he just has to navigate it. Everybody mm -hmm. else very much has a reason and a purpose for being there, unbeknownst to him, and that makes it all the more funny <laughs> because he has to play a guy that's just kind of clueless and i think yep. you know no offense to brad pitt he's obviously a very intelligent man but i think he plays like clueless very well like he's yeah. just that's one of his strengths and everyone else here you already talked about brian tyree henry aaron taylor johnson they're great joey king in this movie she is very much i think really oh, yeah. really strong here i liked her a lot very unimposing on the surface but there's a lot more to to her mm -hmm. character than meets the eye but what stands out the most for me is how you have this really star-studded cast if we're being honest but these people come in for very small segments like a lot of these mm -hmm. folks are not in the movie all that much they have very shortened arcs as, as as we should put it in this film but they make the most of their time and they maximize those minutes so that nothing becomes forgettable i remember every single interaction that happened between certain characters even if they were only in the movie exactly. technically for maybe like five or six minutes it mm -hmm. sometimes even less most notably bad bunny guy's a superstar he is superstar. absolutely on fire global phenomenon this doesn't really change that at all he was already a superstar coming into this but to see how far this guy is taking himself in terms of his brand and what he's representing for latinx people and puerto rican people across the world and just the fact that he's like being himself and and doing that unapologetically is great yes. and he, he he does it so naturally he comes into all of these environments whether it's music or professional wrestling like we've talked about or even film and he just he just knocks it out of the park every single time. And I, I just love that. I guess the last thing that I'll say about it, without giving anything away, there are some great surprises in this movie in terms of cameos. Yes. There's just some really, really fun stuff here. Won't give that stuff away. You should totally see it so that that stuff is not spoiled for you. But all of that really worked well for me. I guess my one big gripe on the opposite side of that, outside of the stuff you already mentioned, because I kind of agree, but I think my one big gripe, and it's not really a detriment, I think, necessarily to just this movie alone. It's more mm -hmm. of a trend that I'm noticing in Hollywood. I, I, I'm not a huge fan of movies that have really taken upon themselves to, to sort of wink at the audience. Like a lot of movies that are made nowadays are meant to be not necessarily fourth wall breaking, but they're very meta with their commentary and just how exactly. the, the stories are told. Like mm -hmm. they want you to know that they're pulling inspiration from other things. They want you to know like, oh yeah, we included so-and-so in this movie because you saw us together in previous X movie that came out yeah. maybe a year or two ago. Mm -hmm. Everything in terms of a big budget tentpole blockbuster movie these days, they just, they, they're designed to be or at least they try to be smarter than they really are, you know, and they try to wink at the audience and try to just, you know, make themselves known that they're kind of in on the joke like we all are. And and I think I, I, I would like more space and opportunity for more serious films to come into play. Like, take yourself seriously. Like, of course, have fun create these worlds that are fun to live in like this movie is very colorful and has it is outlandish cartoonish characters that are really mm -hmm. great to spend time with but it also i think for me took me out of the the film at, a, at several points where it's like you're obviously making a commentary about just like hollywood or just about mm -hmm. the style of movie that this is or who's mm -hmm. included in this movie I, I just wish we got less of that. I, you know, I think even like a John Wick franchise, like John Wick is super serious. There's That's nothing serious winking shit. about John Wick. Mm -hmm. Like, yes, they're fun and they're great to look at and they're bloody and they're gory, but 
they're not winking at the audience. Like they're actually mm-hmm. taking the story seriously. I wish in terms of action films and big budget films, we got a little bit more of that. I'm also noticing that, you know, a lot of people are very mixed on this movie, you know, and I'm, I'm kind of surprised because I, I think it's really enjoyable. But what is interesting is that this movie, when this movie was initially developed, it was supposed to be a little bit more serious, you know, to that point that I'm making. Like Antoine mm-hmm. Fuqua is a producer and the, the idea was to make this more akin to a diehard as opposed to what it ended up being. It became a lighthearted action comedy, but this was supposed to be something a little bit more serious. How do you feel that that might have went? Like, obviously, we won't necessarily ever see that version of this, but do you think that the comedy and just like sort of the the unserious nature of all of this actually helped the film? Or would you have rather seen something that took itself a little bit more serious and had a little bit more of a grounded nature compared to what we got? You know, I think it could have gone either way. Um, You know, you kind of speak to how there is some nods to to like a Quentin Tarantino in here who always uses comedy. You know what I mean? Like, even though he also has a lot of seriousness in his films or I don't know, it it, it feels like either way I think would have worked. I think a lot of it, I have to agree. There's, there's just moments where I would have taken it more seriously had the film taken itself more seriously. You know what I mean? But I was like, oh, I know how this is going to go because this is, nodding at something you know what i mean or i i know that like you said there's winking at the audience that it's about to happen so i think i think it would have benefited either way and i think i am still surprised that this is so um divisive critically in a lot of different ways uh but maybe it was that expectation that it was supposed to be that and then they seen that and they were like oh that's not it either but i don't know it's 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 interesting because part of me is trying to understand you know, how that expectation works after watching the movie. You know what I mean? Like, after have seen it as a complete body of work, do you still not like this for what reason? Just because it wasn't, you didn't think it was going to be that? Or, you know, what else? But I love how there's a, there, there, there was, I think because it was less serious, it did allow him, um, it did allow David Leach to play with a little bit more of those, uh, uh, you know, those, those, those nods that he had um to other types of films and other types of directors and, and, and filmmakers um and had it been more serious he would have to, he would have to nail it down a little bit harder you know what i mean how i'm kind of talking about w- one part of the movie is this colorful the other part of the movie is like is that a samurai you know what i'm saying but like even those moments seem like serious but like you knew because it was so meshed in with the other you know tones of the movie that you couldn't take it a hundred percent like oh shit it's like that you know what i mean so i don't know it's weird because i feel like if you take away that in this movie in particular you take away some of those moments so i'm i'm, I'm really not sure man i'm of, I'm of two minds i think it would have worked either way but i'm honestly still still glad of what uh we went with overall but i high key would love to see another version of this that is taking itself more seriously yeah, tone tone is becoming an increasingly important conversation piece around a lot of these films, especially mm-hmm. when we talk about bigger budget movies and action movies in particular, because I think the obvious influence of, of comedy and action is, is, is largely come from Marvel over the past yeah, you know, 15 years. You know, I, not, that's not to say that there wasn't comedy and action before. It absolutely was. It was always there to some extent. Beverly Hills Cop, like these things exist, but mm-hmm. Marvel certainly changed the formula where it felt like most movies on that type of size and scale needed to have comedic elements and they needed to have quippy dialogue and really funny mm-hmm. things happening at almost every turn to keep you invested into the movie because I feel like some filmmakers, not David Leach, but I feel like some filmmakers 
are a little scared and don't trust the audience to really buy into the story that they're telling if it does lean serious. But I think that there's plenty of examples that work. I already mentioned John Wick, John, the, the the Equalizer franchise is super serious, and I think that those movies are, are great, you know, also Antoine Fuqua. So I think there's certainly still room. It's just all about how you approach it from the get-go. But ultimately, still enjoyed this movie, still had a great, great time with it. I really, really, really had a lot of fun, and I can't wait to, to revisit it and watch it again. But those are our thoughts on Bullet Train. If you've checked out the brand-new action comedy, hit us up and let us know what you think with that being said let's go ahead and transition to our next movie the brand new predator prequel film prey why do you want to hunt because you all think that i can't i saw a sign in the sky i'm ready my only nita something out there. I'm coming with you. You can't. I'm trying to protect you. Protect me from what? It's time. Now, this movie is directed by Dan Trattenberg, and it's written by Patrick Ason, and it's starring Amber Midthunder, Dakota Beavers, Dane DeLegro, Stormy Kip, Michelle Thrush, and Julian Black Antelope. So, Prey is officially the fifth entry into the Predator franchise, which is about Jeez. 35 years at this point, 35 years old at this point. Of course, there have been crossovers. We had two Alien versus Predator pr films that came out in the mid-2000s, but in terms of the main standalone franchise, this is now the fifth entry. And it still has legs. It's still kicking. It's one of those few horror franchises that started many, many moons ago, and it's still around today. Although, this is really kind of the first time we're getting a Predator film straight to streaming and not in theaters. So that was a little bit of a different approach as this movie mm -hmm. did, in fact, debut on Hulu from 20th Century Studios. But with all of that said, man, I'll pass it over to you. What do you think about this new film, Prey? Man, first and foremost, why the hell is this movie on streaming? What did what in Disney's mind did they decide to release this on streaming? It makes zero sense to me after watching this film. 
why they would decide to do this, man. It, it, I am. I don't know what be going on at these movie studios. We're gonna be talking about a lot of movie studio shit today. But like, I, what? This movie is amazing, and they put it on streaming. Like, ah, man, I'm just a loss for work. And it's not just like, oh, here's this random movie that's really good. It should have been in theaters. It's like this Predator. Everyone knows what the hell Predator is. Like, you know what I'm saying? This is a whole franchise in in a prequel sequel to something. You know what I'm saying? Like, why wouldn't you put it? I am. Yeah, I'm, I'm a little salty about that, clearly. But, man, pray, pray, pray. Um, you know, the I have to talk about real quick. The original Predator is still a marvel to this day. It's crazy, the idea um, that they had for that film, man. They literally put freaking all the muscle heads <laughs> in a movie and created like a freaking slasher in the jungle it is just a very sensational movie man if you if you haven't seen original predator i don't just just go watch it asap it's it, it really is some some amazing filmmaking but this movie here is what it i think it means when people are excited to reboot something we always talk about i think on this show where like I don't mind if you have a good idea. Reboot it if you have, if you don't have a good idea, don't do anything, don't touch it. But if you have a good idea, go go make it, and we're we're here for it. And pray, I think it is a very good example of that, man. This is three hundred years set in the past about the Comanche, uh, uh, Native American um, tribe, man. And this is a story of a young woman in that tribe named Naru who is very skilled but she's not taken seriously because of course she she's a she's a young woman in the tribe and of course everyone who hunts in a tribe are all men and what does that look like when predator touches down right and so i literally reading that on paper i'm like let's do it what i mean you take you strip away uh technology you strip away i don't know a lot of things that you think would come with predators you know what i mean with some of the sequels that have happened and then all these things you really take it back and i found myself having a good old time man this 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 movie is i think it's shot very beautifully i love how dan what trackenberg i doesn't know how to say his name yeah trackenberg. i love mm-hmm. i love how dan trackenberg's directs uh first of all 10 cloverfield lane so freaking underrated to me. I absolutely love the, uh, love and adore that film. I think it's directed tremendously. But he comes back here, man, and I think he just understands the the ways in which he's supposed to put his main characters in certain situations, right? Like, of course, if there's no, I don't know, if there's no technology and they're in the woods, this is how they would end up against the predator. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is how this would happen. And, and he creates, he creates those moments again on the backs of, of why you should be afraid for them because character moments have happened to lead us here, to get us there, get us to that point and explain to us why we should be worried for these characters. I, it's been very few movies I've watched recently where I actually care for the characters. You know what I mean? Like this it's, it's just, it is what it is. It's just how movies have gone recently in, in this one i found myself caring about the characters very much it could be that we don't see native american representation a lot it very well could be but that combined with action combined with actually giving those those characters something to care about improve themselves for and i i really just found myself having having an amazing time 
um, and being so entertained um, by what was happening in this film. Again, I think it was shot beautifully. The sound design is crazy. I did watch the original Predator, of course, it's older. And then watch, watching this one, it's like, damn, sound has came a long way. But other than that, knowing that's one of those things where it's like when a reboot is good, too, because sound is different. Like, things have upgraded. And so being able to hear the the noise Predator makes, the the... I don't even know. I can't even recreate it, <laughs> but it just sounded different on my speakers than the original movie did. And I, I love that about it because it, it creates again an ambiance that's really scary. Um, um, so yeah, bro, this is more again more than anything. I'm just mad this wasn't on streaming services. But this is, I think, a movie for anyone who loves the franchise will enjoy this. I very much am put in prey as my second favorite Predator movie. I don't even think it's close. Um, a lot of people love like Predator Two, <laughs> you know what I mean? Or uh, so, so one of the I don't know anybody who knows who loves any of the other movies except for the first one in the second one. Um, but this is, I think, the definition of what it means. I think to reboot something with an idea in your head, because now at this point, I just want to watch all kind of crazy. Throw this nigga in the freaking I don't even know the africa somewhere i don't know put predator <laughs> all over the place you know what i'm saying like it's like because you can do different things in different places and for some i never thought about that but i'm glad somebody did because it gave us this movie you know what i'm saying and, and i had a good time with that so um yeah man i'll leave it to you this is uh yeah good great movie man yeah the entire predator franchise has been very 50 50 very mixed results the first one is a classic action classic of the of the 80s it's probably arnold schwarzenegger's best movie if i'm being really honest it's up there with t2 for me uh the second mm-hmm. one is just not it it's it's a loud very noisy very messy movie <laughs> i like predators from 2010 i think that that's actually a really really underrated movie there's some great mm-hmm. cameos in there it's rounded out with a great cast that were Who's young at the time that too. they were in it um yeah. the predator that came out a few years ago sucked i hated that movie i did not like it so i wasn't excited for this one and i remember first seeing the poster and i'm just like I don't think I'm really in for this. I'm going to watch it, obviously, as a fan of of the character, but I'm not interested. Mm-hmm. And then I saw the trailer, and I was like, wait a second, they might be onto something. And then, then I saw it was Dan Trattenberg directing it, coming from 10 Cloverfield Lane, also directed the pilot of The Boys, so he has to be shouted out for that. Yeah, so I was indeed. very much enthusiastic about what this was going to offer, and it delivered. It absolutely delivered. I was not disappointed. This is officially the second best Predator movie. The choice to set it back 300 years ago, way before any sort of current modern times, was brilliant because a lot of what this story is about is about this young woman a part of this tribe and and what i didn't expect coming into this movie that i was pleasantly surprised about it's really about her earning the right to hunt right and it's about her having to find her way and go on that personal journey well before she ever comes in contact with whatever this beast is this this extraterrestrial predator that lands on earth it's it's really about this personal journey that she has to undergo improving herself to her tribe and her family and all those trials and tribulations so automatically the story grounds you in a place of caring about your main character caring about your hero so by the time you have to get that showdown that comes you know probably about midway through the movie you're like oh yeah i'm totally rooting for this person to win this this battle and and it becomes really about man and nature and evolution mm-hmm. and I, I love how much they tied in the concept of evolution and really the circle of life you know i don't mean to call that uh-huh. lion king but there's a lot about just the circle of life and evolution and prey is so aptly titled it, it's very yeah. much about predator and pray and what that means mm-hmm. not only for just the concept of the film for for the the central monster that's featured here this really iconic horror character but just also the idea about it and what it means especially for people 
who their entire existence was really about the ability to survive and, and thrive and be able to like be the dominant species on planet Earth, right? And and what happens when you have a more dominant species that comes along and threatens your entire existence? What does that look like, especially for this young woman who was still up and coming in, in terms of her hunting ability, in terms of her survival abilities and her individual individualistic, you know, sort of sense of nature and, and how that all plays out. And I just love that. This also has like one of the best movie dogs we've had in a while. The dog in this Listen. movie that she billing. has as like a companion was great i think that everything That's that dog actor. did was 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 tremendous and very lovable and you become very attached to this dog early on the way that it's shot it's absolutely gorgeous a lot of this really reminded me of the revenant and how naturalistic it is and how it's using mm -hmm. natural light they're in real environments they're out in the forest in the woods they're using sunsets and sunrises and just all of these different elements of nature water fire everything it just makes it feel like a real lived-in movie they really build out this world in a very very believable way that maintains the verisimilitude all throughout the runtime and so for me watching this at home sucked there's no other way to put it yes. I, I did not like watching this at home i was pretty upset there's not an option to watch this in theaters at least where we are this absolutely could have lived on the big screen and i i, I wonder mm. the decision behind it as well especially now in a time where there's just a lack of big movies coming out over the next like eight weeks like there's really nothing coming out that's huge that can fill in this niche and i look at other horror movies that are on the horizon or other thrillers and i'm like well prey could have absolutely done way better than any of these movies not to tear down anything else but that's a built-in established ip that's been around for almost 40 years exactly what was the decision here you know i think it certainly is fit and equipped for the big screen it certainly looks like they put money behind it, and you have great performances and overall a great story. So it, it was pretty unpleasant watching this at home, if I'm being honest. I do think some things are just better in a movie theater. But be, that being said, we got it how we got it. They delivered it how they delivered it. I think that they absolutely knocked this out of the park. And I'm with you. I can't wait to see more. I think that there's absolutely more opportunities here. They can visit different time periods because now, yeah, if you set it as a prequel, which I'm typically a little bit cautious about, but because it's work, like you can take it to any time period you want to, because mm -hmm. there are no rules or limitations for when the predator visited Earth. I'm sure that that creature was here many, 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 many times. And you can <laughs> sort of, un you know, sort of open those things up and explore it that way. But that being said, overall, hugely successful movie. I want more people to see it. I think that this is easily enjoyable for everybody, especially if you're into really violent, really, 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 yeah. you know, sort of hardcore thriller horror films, especially with this with this whole naturalistic vibe to it. But those are our thoughts about the Predator prequel. Pray if you've seen this movie on Hulu, definitely hit us up and let us know what you think. Let's go ahead and transition to our next movie that we got to talk about. A brand new murder mystery film from A24, Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. To play bodies, bodies, bodies. Yeah. Oh my god! Does anybody have service? Yeah. yeah. I'm a hot girl. Hot girl, rich girl. Guys, I get so stressed out every time we play this. Someone always ends up crying. <laughs> so how do you play? If you draw the piece of paper that has the X on it, you are the murderer. Everyone else has to avoid being killed. What is that? Stand next to you want one? Yeah. What is happening? Our friend is dead. So if you could just like not escalate this situation, that I'm not escalating. You're holding the knife and you're moving your hands while you talk. 
that would be so fucking obvious if I were the killer. David. More. You're always gaslighting me. You fucking trigger me. You are so toxic. Relax, relax. You're silencing me. That all you got, motherfucker? Did you just fucking shoot me? I can't believe you're making this about you. What are the features that you're bringing? Well, to I kids? just look like I fuck. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I look like I, fu I fuck. And that's the vibe I like to put out there. Yeah. Now, this movie is directed by Helena Rain, and it's written by Sarah DeLapp, and it's starring Amanda Stenberg, Maria Bakalova, Mahala Harold, Chase Sweet Wonders, Rachel Sennett, Lee Pace, and Pete Davidson. So Bodies, Bodies, Bodies is a brand new smaller movie that just came out. It had a limited release in L.A. and New York this past weekend. So, of course, we had to go check it out before it releases wide next week. And so it was only playing in like one theater in the city. So we were very lucky to be able to get inside and get tickets for this. But certainly something I'm looking forward to anytime A24 is leading the charge on a new horror movie or a slasher or anything that leans towards that giant genre i'm totally there for it their track record has proven itself and they certainly yep. have had mixed results as well they have things that are a little bit more challenging when it mm -hmm. comes to this particular genre but i also really like that so either way i was totally in for this movie but that <laughs> being said i'll pass it over to you what did you think about bodies 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 man is this the first no it's not the first um yeah it might be the first so maria Bar baklova in this movie i had to ask you is this the same girl that's from uh the borat film Oh, yeah, the I most kept, recent Borat. That's I kept her. looking at her like, is this that girl? Okay, <laughs> yeah. I had to make sure. I'm asking you right her. here. I'm like, is that? Okay, I had to make sure. Y'all, so Bodies, 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 in case you don't know, it was about a group of a bunch of rich 20-somethings is what the, this description says. And they plan a party in the hurricane um, at, at one, of the, one of the friends' family mansion. And there's a game they play called Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. In the game, um, it's kind of similar to what's the game mafia right somebody yeah. is the killer nobody knows who the killer really is you're trying to figure it out well bodies stop start to drop for real for real and they're trying to figure out who the killer is and that's pretty much um, um what the movie is man but because they're rich 20 somethings their problems are very different than normal person's everyday problems their problems is i mean some people were addicted to cocaine they're very privileged they're this is a lot of rich people stuff kind of going on Again, with these kids, though, right, they're all very at the end of kind of college, it feels like, middle middle to end of college um, age, and, and, and they all have problems with each other, too. And so it's interesting, you know, trying to figure out who the killer is, because really everyone is so demented <laughs> that it could be any of them. That's kind of their relationship. And so um, another man, I don't know what's going on with August, but it's been a great time here in August, y'all, for movies. Bodies, Bodies, Bodies was another very satisfying one experience for me to watch man uh we, we kind of talked about you know the the meta-ness of movies and i'll talk about that in the next movie i'll review too but some of them get it and some of them don't like some of them are meta for a reason and others are meta and that shouldn't be meta we kind of talk about bullet train is like did you have to be that meta you know what i mean but here bodies 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 is meta for a reason on purpose because it's it, the 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 um the, the director and the writer have a lot to say um, about the things that are, that, that are happening. And so this this movie is very much reflective, again, between the re relationship of these characters is very reflective of all the things that we sometimes make fun of with Gen Z or, you know, what what and, and what that brings in terms of being not just privileged, but privileged in this new environment of age. You know what I mean? And so it, it, it it's a very fun whodunit slasher 
that's taken. I don't know. It's just so plot twisty that I love it. Usually, a lot of times you watch, you're watching Scream or you're watching something else, and you're waiting to be like, I don't know. The whole time in your head, you're like, I know who the killer is. Bodies, bodies, bodies was one of the ones where I legit had no idea what was going on because that's how well I couldn't even guess anybody because I think that's how well things were being, I think, portrayed on the screen. Right. I had no idea who the killer was. And so I just really love that about this movie, that they were able to, I think, take a very well-known genre that we watch all the time and transform uh, even the way I, you know, we kind of think about in 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 uh in just slasher movies and so um I, again i really love that about it i love how it, they're just stuck in a mansion <laughs> and, and and bodies are dropping i love how you know the their the commentary and the satire in this film also adds to that it's not just we you know somebody killing to get revenge you know what i mean it's like it's 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 really about what the relationship between these characters and why they're terrible really why they're why they're bad but what also what the environment that makes them up as well why do they why why do they why do you act like this well this is why they act like this and that's part of the whole mystery and so um i I really thought it it contained a lot of uh uh what's where anticipation and tension because because of that i hadn't seen this before of course we've seen movies where there's like gen z years and everyone's like hi you act like this now. You act like this. But what what happens when people start to die because of the way you think? And I, I, I also just love that idea. It's like, oh, what if the, what if now you're a danger to yourself because there's things that in, in your environment that you never learned? So, man, I, I again, another movie that surprised me. I, although I was excited for, for this movie, it's A24, Slasher. I love um, the cast here. I just still didn't see, you know, the movie that we got coming um, at all. Only one other thing I'll add, I think Amanda Stenberg has literally been in a relationship with a black person in a movie one time. <laughs> she is always like I, I've made fun of her for that before. Like, damn, she's like the new, she's like a young Zoe Saldana. Like, it has to be a white person. Like in this movie, she's like <laughs> the the uh, the girlfriend to a to a white girl, and it's like, damn, bro, like you couldn't. Come on, man. She never get. Only other time I think she's ever been in a relationship like somebody black was uh, the Hate You Give. I think that's like the only movie I can remember her not being like with a white person. So I don't know. I just think that's interesting. But again, um, I enjoy Bodies, Bodies, Bodies a lot, and I think a lot of people will too, especially if they understand the commentary and they love slashers. You can't really go wrong to me personally. But yeah, man, I will pass it over to you. Yeah, I do think that this is a true, the true definition of a crowd pleaser. It's designed to be that. And I'm really impressed with the script overall from Sarah DeLapp. This is her first official screenwriting credit, which is kind of crazy. That's crazy. Consider and think about that this is her first time, like, taking a a swing at something that is just so damn impressive. I I just really was really kind of astounded and taken aback by the script because a lot of it is about, you know, sort of young young women living in the Gen Z age and how their friendship is really put to the test because Mm -hmm. of this entire murder mystery that's unfolding before our very eyes like these these young women have a very tumultuous almost toxic relationship with each other and now because something is very serious and dire at the forefront and they're presented with some serious conflicts probably well without question the most serious and troubling thing that they've ever had to deal with in their lives because they do come from a privileged black background we have to see how they navigate that and they're really put to Mm -hmm. the test and it comes out in all sorts of ways some people deal with it in a really 
I guess, sort of a, a nihilistic way, you know, almost sort of uh, just they, they, they lack care and empathy for the situation mm. at hand. Mm-hmm. And then others are just completely brushing off the seriousness of the of the of the entire of the entire scenario that, that that's in front of them. And so overall, man, I thought that this was just a really really enjoyable film, and it's meant to get a reaction out of you because there are a lot of twists and turns. A lot of the characters are really unpredictable because you don't know that much about them. You learn more about them as the story unfolds and progresses. You know, they 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 intentionally design it so that you just kind of meet these people. And you start to have to learn to take them for what they are as we hear dialogue and, and interactions with other people. And that's that's what all good murder mysteries do, right? They don't give you all the information you need up front because you have to pick this apart to see who is ultimately at the center of the of the mystery at the end of the day. But I just love the the the, the satire, satirical nature of it. You know, this is this is very dark comedy, but it's meant to be very humorous and it's very reflective of the times. And a lot of these conversations that these characters have with each other are like Twitter interactions. It's like how people tweet to each other and they use the same language and that stuff is like really funny when you hear people verbalize it out loud, especially in a situation where people's lives are on the line. And I'm a sucker for a movie that takes place in a single location. I I just love that as a framing device. And they utilize the space here incredibly well. You know, I think that a lot of it takes place in the dark, you know, so you can't always see what's around the corner. You can't see the lights because there is a hurricane that knocks the power out of this mansion. So it presents a lot of mystery and intrigue and just uncertainty for what really happened. You you, you see people die, but you don't really know how they died. They don't give you all that that information. And you ultimately find out by the end of it, which is a huge twist that this is just... I mean, it, I can't even speak on it because it would give it away. Yeah. It's just, it's ridiculous how it all ends, but it had to end that way. When you look at the story exactly. and how they set it up, it absolutely had to end that way. And it was a brilliant choice because it caught you off guard and you couldn't really anticipate it. So overall, I do think that anybody watches this, if you are into murder mysteries, slashers, this this is absolutely for you. A lot of people might not check this out in theaters while it's out, but eventually it'll be on streaming. I think HBO Max now has like streaming rights to A24 movies. This is going to kill on streaming, I think. I think that this is like a great Friday night movie. Pop it in. You don't got nothing else to do. Watch this. It's a quick, easy watch. It's great. It keeps you invested and interested. And all the characters are really notable and standouts. Like... Rachel Sennett in this movie is a star. Yes. She has some of the best yes, dialogue, yes, yes, some yes, of the yes. best lines throughout this entire movie. She killed it. The way her delivery was just impeccable, you know, and everybody else <laughs> also along with her. Lee Pace is, he really shouldn't be in this movie, but that's intentional. His character is very much the odd man <laughs> out. Like, why is this older gentleman with these really, really young women? Like, you shouldn't be here, guy, but it, it's perfect for, for what his character ultimately means for the story. So overall... Very enjoyable movie. Another hit from A24. I'm glad that it worked out and that it was an yes. enjoyable experience. So definitely can't recommend this one, uh, this one enough. But those are our thoughts on Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. If you've not seen the film yet, it will be out next week in wider release across the country. So definitely go check it out and hit us up and let us know what you think. Let's go ahead and transition to our next film that we have to talk about. A brand new movie that just premiered on Hulu. Not okay. Danny. Yeah had a chance to read that article you sent me. What'd you think? You don't feel like it comes off a little tone deaf, offensive even. I don't feel like you take me seriously as a writer. That's because you're not a writer. You're a photo editor. Okay. Have you ever wanted to be noticed so badly? Hey, Mom. You wanna hang out tonight? Oh. You didn't even care what it was for. Holland. Oh, shit. What up, honey? Danny, from work. Danny. Yo, Colin, I love your videos, man. Thanks, B. So what are you? I'm a writer. I'm looking to develop my work by traveling. Going to Paris for it. Shit. 
Hey, get picks. I'm gonna get lots of picks. Yeah, I'll throw them all up on the gram. Right. Shit. Hey, Mom! I got invited to a writer's retreat in Paris. Yes, really. Starting my morning right. Now, where's my baguette? have some breaking news at this hour. A string of terrorist attacks struck Paris this morning, leaving dozens dead and many more injured. Oh, Flight 2677 now arriving. Danny? Danny, she's okay! We are here with the girl of the moment. You've been blowing up our Insta feed. Speaking of bombings. I'm really glad you're not dead. Me too. <laughs> Isn't she so strong, everybody? Oh my god, you're the girl from the Paris attacks. Let's not forget the signature red beret. Hi, I'm Danny. Rowan, welcome to group. We're all survivors here. Do you want to share? Oh. <laughs> if you're not okay, that's okay. The internet likes to turn victims into villains. Oh no, doesn't seem to be happening to me. You should be prepared if it does. We need to talk. Be careful what you wish for. So what, are we supposed to feel bad for you? <clears throat> now this movie is written and directed by Quinn Shepard and is starring Zoe Deutsch, Mia Isaac, Nadia Alexander, and Beth Davids. Karen Sony and Dylan O'Brien. So Not Okay is a movie, again, that I just mentioned just premiered on Hulu, very much similar to Prey, um, also from 20th Century Studios. It just came out, and I did not get a chance to check this one out, but you did go ahead and watch this movie. So that being said, I'll pass it over to you. What do you think about Not Okay? You know, usually when movies start, you know, they give, like, the viewer discretion advice. There will be sex in, in vulgar language and this and that. The beginning of this one is like, yeah, but also you're going to it also contains the worst protagonist you've ever seen in a movie. And you're just like, what? <laughs> What's going on here? And so this movie follows um, Danny Sanders, Zoe Deutsch's character, and she is a writer, but everyone hates her. Like literally the beginning of the movie is is literally them telling you that this is a terrible character that you will not like. But she's the narrator. She is, it's literally, everything is from her point of view. And so already I'm interested because most of the time, again, most of the movies we watch, we root for the protagonist. But this entire film, I couldn't help but to almost root against her in a lot of different ways. Like, what are you doing and who are you? So again, <clears throat> her character's a writer and she fakes, this is all in the trailer, in the in this movie synopsis. She fakes a trip to Paris. She she photoshops herself on Instagram, right? What happens is in Paris, something happens in Paris. And everyone, she gets back and everyone's worried for her. And now she has to like come up with with ways for people to believe that she was there the entire time. And so in, in doing that, she ends up exploiting all kind of different kinds of people, namely, um, um, uh, Mia Isaac's character Rowan, who is the the standout in this movie by far, but it, it's it's really about a white girl who nobody likes, who obviously hasn't had to deal with repercussions of people not liking you. 
she does something to try to get people to like her more by lying and it makes it worse and and it's really the movie is her crawling back trying to figure out how to be in good standing with the world again and i have to say it caught me off guard completely of i actually really really like this movie man it touches i think on a subject that I don't think a lot of I think a lot of filmmakers would be afraid to touch. It's a it, in in some ways it's a for me it's a white girl who is exploiting a black girl, and she's becoming somewhat famous off of her words. That's a very real thing that happens in real life every day. Um, and and so there's there's so much in it that's hard not to talk about to not to not spoil. But it's a very captivating movie because it's unlike anything I've ever seen. One, you hate the protagonist. Two. This, I will tell you straight up, the ending is not what you think it is. And you're either going to love it because of that or hate it because of that or both. To be honest, you're, when, you watch, when you watch a movie like this, you're, you're waiting for something to happen that you're expecting. And it's not going to happen. I'm telling you right now. In, 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 but that's what makes it good to me because it makes sense for the story and in, in the message that the movie is trying to convey, man. It really is. It, it speaks on societal norms for the way I think... One, white women are treated in the face of crisis versus the way black women are treated in the face of crisis. And the fight that each had, the, the different fight that each have. Zoe Deutsch's character, even the, the fakeness she goes through is very different than the black, character, the black woman's uh, a real thing that she might have gone. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's very, I've never seen any movie like this before because it speaks on the real. And it, the entire movie, you're uncomfortable. There's no... My only gripe with this movie is that if it's not, first of all, it's not long. I think it's one forty. I think it's an hour forty. My one gripe with this movie is it feels long because you're so uncomfortable. That's the that's the only gripe I really have about this. Like it's it's there's so much, so many awkward moments in hate for Zoe Deutsch's character that you just get to the hour mark and you're like, damn, this ain't over yet. Like, this is making me squirm a little bit. But, again, I, I love it because I haven't seen anything like it. So, if if you like, again, more satirical type things, speaking literally on, you know, the way society places, you know, certain, certain I guess, expectations on one, which you are made to be popular or speak your opinion or what it looks like to possibly take someone else's, man, this movie is for you because, I've again, I've never seen really – a movie that made me feel this way um so yeah it's 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 a crazy watch man for sure and it, it, it caught me off guard yeah i mean no that that's great to hear i think you know this director quinn shepherd is really really young 27 years old making this movie and so writing the script putting together this story at that age is reflective of a person who obviously has their finger on the pulse when it comes to this type of subject matter right and so mm -hmm. to hear to hear those thematic things be be really resonant in the story and we're seeing more stories i think take those types of risks because it is it's incredibly risky to put at the forefront of your film a person that you just really don't want to root for at all and they don't mm -hmm. give you a reason to root for them and then on top of that they actually step on other people in order to make themselves <laughs> even better and to and to further progress whatever their own personal ambitions might be that's a really risky thing to do but i think we're starting to see a new era and hopefully it continues and we see even more further fleshed out and i think we see some more diverse representation but it feels like we've entered into a new era of anti-heroines anti right like we've had mm -hmm, mm -hmm. a very very long history now within the television landscape of middle-aged white man 
anti-hero. That has been the archetype yeah. for pretty much every prestige television show of the past 20 plus years. Thank you, Sopranos, right? And so now in film, I'm starting to notice that we're entering into a new era where we're seeing that also reflected with these mm. anti-heroines as well. You know, I think even like a promising young woman that we talked yep. about a couple of years ago is, is similar in that mm. vein. And we just even now just talking about bodies, bodies, bodies. That's like an ensemble of these young women that are not the most likable, but right they're at the center of the story. And so that's also being reflected here. I think it's a, it's a bold choice, but I also love that it feels like a new a new type of film that's being being ushered in. I would just hope, you know, by and large, we can see complexity and, and more more different styles and tones addressed. We can see other races and other ethnicities, you know, be placed at the forefront mm -hmm. as well, because being a bad guy, being a bad woman, whatever you want to say, isn't exclusive to a white woman. Of course, there's easy material to pull from <laughs> when it talks about white women and, and exploiting, you know, other people. But uh, I exactly. think that there's obviously more corners to tap into. So I would love to see what that might look like from other directors, other filmmakers, other screenwriters. Mm -hmm. So it's a really interesting, interesting take that, that it seems like they're taking here. But definitely sounds like something to recommend, something to watch on Hulu. Again, that's just recently premiered now, so it is available to stream. But those are our thoughts on Not Okay. If you've checked out this film, hit us up and let us know what you think. We're going to go ahead and transition to talk about another film that just recently premiered on streaming, the new Japanese anime, Bell. Girls of song don't you think your mom would want you to be happy? Suzu! Come be in the picture with us! <sighs> happy? But how? Welcome to the world of you. You may not be able to start over in the real world, but you can start over in the world of you. With its unique body sharing technology, you was able to draw out a user's hidden strength. I can finally sing again. She made it on used global music charts, just as I expected. I'm so dead! Nobody in their right mind would ever guess that Belle's user is actually a mousy nobody like you. I guess it's true that everyone's hiding some kind of secret. Susie, something wrong? This is typical internet behavior. Why does he do stuff that'll make people hate him? To preserve the peace in you, this creature must be disposed of. Who are you really? Why? He's in danger. What? Wait! I have to help him. attention to a single one of your songs. I want to hear Belle sing! Yes, yeah, sing! Yeah, sing! Suzu! Yeah, sing. sing! Now, this movie's written and directed by Mamoru Husada, and it's starring Kahu Nakamura, Ryu Narita, Shota Somintani, Tina Tamashiro, 
Lilas Akuda and Koji Yakashuo, and also Takeru Sato. So this movie, again, just recently premiered on streaming on HBO Max, but it actually had its debut last year in 2021. It initially mm-hmm. premiered at the 2021 Cannes Film Festival. It definitely got some some great reception, and once it came out at the Cannes Film Festival, it's been slowly ro- rolling out across America over the past few months, and it just, again, recently premiered on streaming, so it is now widely available. This is another movie you got a chance to check out that I have not seen. So with that said, I'll pass it over to you. What did you think about Bell? Yeah, man, I was really excited to watch this movie. I remember um, it kind of around the time it previewed at Cannes, which is, I feel like this is one of those movies that doesn't really get a lot of Cannes love or uh, doesn't appear at Cannes. You know, a lot of times you hear about Cannes, you know, you don't hear about a Japanese <laughs> animated film, you know, very often. But um, Bell, man, it is a one, it's beautiful. First and foremost, just beautiful to watch. I believe. Uh, so this this movie is about um, probably, I guess, very cliche on purpose. But the the protagonist is a very shy high school girl, living in somewhat of a um, um, I guess a rural village, and she has um, learned about a virtual reality. Right? Think about Ready Player One. Think about a lot of people know the anime Sword Art Online. Very much. They take your likeness, the way you think, all kind of things, body functions and all of that. And they turn you into a, a character in this virtual world. And in, uh, in this virtual world is called you. And in this virtual world, she becomes a character named Belle, who becomes uh, uh, an exceptional singer. And she becomes a very famous singer in this world. Like everyone online is like, who's Belle? Who's Belle? We're trying to figure out who Belle is. And so what happens is, again, this is all in the trailer, again, in, in the synopsis. What happens is in this journey of, be, of being this, like, internet virtual pop star, there's this mysterious beast, huh, huh, who is trying to also figure out who he is. And he is kind of doing, like, some, some shady stuff that a lot of people don't know about in this virtual world. So this is very, very much obviously... Uh, a Beauty and the Beast story. They very much let you know that uh, from very early in the film. Uh, there's they, there's even like shots in the movie, like one for one almost from the original Beauty and the Beast movie. Um, and I think that's really cool. I think that was a great thing. To, I've never heard of a lot of times like Japanese uh, uh, animated films. They'll have like smaller references of American culture or you know what I mean? Things like that. But I've never seen that as present as this movie has with again trying to kind of retell or reimagine a beauty and the beast story um but more than the beauty and the beast story it's more about learning who you are true to yourself um it it, it very much is a different take when you watch it i think you'll understand but it, it it's about uh, uh being a teenager and learning what it is to to love yourself either on the internet or outside the internet some of that stuff is very much cliche very formulaic or at least nothing that i haven't seen before um but what does make it different again is the art style from being outside of the game or the virtual world versus being in the virtual world is different which i thought is really dope it's like hand-drawn outside and inside is very much cgi animation i think that's really cool very cool idea um the music is exceptional i think it's really really amazing it sounds good again it's beautiful all the voice actors do a good job here um again unfortunately just feels a lot of it just feels like some stuff i've seen before but it's very much still a a great watch and a good movie i think i think a lot of people 
will come out of it at least being somewhat satisfied. But it's not groundbreaking or anything. It's not like I just watched the Hayao Miyazaki movie out here. You know, this ain't <laughs> Princess Mononoke or anything like that. But it's absolutely something to watch, especially if you love animated really anything. You know, we've been talking about a lot of animation on this show. And I think this gives people, even if you don't like anime, this gives you a different look at something animated um, that I think you can still enjoy and somewhat, um, you know, have some some context for if you like Beauty and the Beast. You know what I mean? I think there's some stuff here that you can grasp onto, but also learn from as it as it seeks to change some of those things about that, that original story a little bit. So, yeah, man, again, I enjoyed it. Um, just just nothing new really in the bag after watching this film. Yeah, this is really kind of the first time I'm hearing about a Japanese animated movie in particular pulling so heavily from from another tale that, that it's mm-hmm. easily inspired by, especially something that is so well known as Beauty and the Beast. That's obviously like kind of a, a, an American touchstone at this point based on that animated movie from the 90s. But uh, yeah. I think it's interesting to take that and then, you know, utilize these other influences. A lot of the virtual, you know, sort of fantastical elements that are included there. That That's also an interesting concept, too, because that, that is becoming more prevalent in a lot of storytelling that we're seeing. And so to, to reflect that in animation is also kind of a curious concept too, just because of those, those two ideas and those two concepts kind of work together mm-hmm. in, in a lot of respects. And so it sounds really, really interesting. Actually, it was one of the first things that popped up on my uh, home screen when I opened up HBO max and I was like, Oh, oh that yeah. looks, I looks really good. Shit. Yeah. It looks, re- <laughs> it's really, it looks really good. And I do remember hearing about it a while ago. So definitely something I do want to intend to check out, but those are our thoughts on bell. If you've seen this brand new film on HBO max, definitely hit us up and let us know what you think. We're going to go ahead and shift gears just a little bit to TV to talk about a new limited series that premiered this year on HBO. We own this city. You guys know who I am? Please, let me see your hands! On the ground, keep your hand on the ground! Hey, so tell me something. We asked the questions. I'm just curious, I mean, what brought y'all into us? Long story. A lot of twists. No doubt. No doubt. I'm Nicole Steele with the Department of Justice. In a city of 620,000, BPD cops reported over 300,000 pedestrian stops in the last five years. You guys have locked up and beat on so many people, we can't get 12 in a box who are willing to trust what a cop says. Could there ever be a moment where a police officer performed their job in such a manner that you would agree with the finding that he should be fired for abusive behavior or brutality? Sir. Has it ever happened? We're doing our jobs. What do people want for us to stop policing? They want us to do it without the collateral damage. You know what the Baltimore cops, you don't have complaints of doing every day? No. They sure as hell ain't policing. And you can't just blame the cops. We serve the politicians who thrive on being tough on crime. And when they reinstated me, they put me in a unit made up of a bunch of the biggest crooks in the whole goddamn department. These men right here, my detectives, we do things by the book. Mr. the menace, I'm living. Drug war justifies a lot. Mr. Domenic. This is a dysfunctional police department with a culture that looks at accountability as a four-letter word. I told you weeks ago about a federal investigation. There's always a rumor of a federal investigation. This shit never happens. It's Baltimore. This shit been going on for a long while. We just followed the leader. Am I going to lose my job over this? Look around. We built this machine where half the damn country part with money and power to up the other half. They didn't have anything to begin with. 
Watch it work. I feel like you got it. I teach these young kids to be good, honest cops. Go, police! The rest is up to them. Now, this series is developed and written by George Pelicanos and David Simon, and all episodes are directed by Reynaldo Marcus Green, and it's starring an ensemble cast of John Bernthal, Wumi Musaku, mm. Jamie Hector, mm. Josh Charles, McKinley Belcher III, Daryl Britt Gibson, Rob Brown, David Cornsweet, Dagmar Domicic excuse me if I mispronounce that, Don Harvey and Larry Mitchell. So we own this city. This is a series that I've been meaning to check out for a few months now. It's been out mm-hmm. for, uh, I think, about four or five months on HBO. It premiered in April earlier this year. And David Simon is the reason that I wanted to check this out, because David Simon is the well-known creator of The Wire. And mm-hmm. so to see that he is coming back to HBO with the new series is something that certainly caught my eye, especially once I find out that a lot of the cast from The Wire actually returned for this series. He actually utilized many, many people that were initially a part of that groundbreaking series from 20 years ago to come back here for We Own This City. And this this is a mini-series. This is a limited series, only six episodes right now. And it really details the rise and the fall of the Baltimore Police Department's gun trash force. And so it's based mm. off of a book, which this is all accurate stuff that really, really happened. This really went, went down. And it's surrounding the death of Freddie Gray back in 2017 in the city of Baltimore and how all of these different events, what led to it, what the fallout was. And I have to say, this is absolutely extraordinary work. This is, I say, I feel like I say it every week because I'm watching new shows all the time, but this is now entered into my top 10 TV shows of the year. This is, this is phenomenal. And a large part of that is because of David Simon and also, you know, his, his partner here, um, what they're doing for this story and, 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 and how it is a real thing. And they're, they're pulling from real events, of course, but this feels so much like the spiritual successor to The Wire, because they do bring back a lot of those cast members, because the same creators are here, and it's also told in very much the same style as The Wire. It's very documentary style, but it's still, like, obviously scripted drama. They don't shoot it like a documentary, but it feels like you're watching a documentary unfold, because so much facts and so much information is presented. There's barely any music ever, so you don't you don't really have your, your feelings influenced by the tone and the style of the story. You're kind of left to determine how you feel about these characters on your own. Right. And I think that that's a brilliant choice because, again, this is real stuff that they're pulling from. This all really, really Mm -hmm. happened. And across the board, the performances are just magnetic. Most notably, John Bernthal here as the lead playing Wayne Jenkins. This is probably the best work of his career, bar none. I think that this is a true standout for John Bernthal. I've almost I've loved him in almost everything I've seen him in. He's he's really a very, very Mm -hmm. talented actor. All the way back to The Walking Dead, to what he did with The Punisher and that whole Netflix Marvel universe, mm-hmm. to even his movie appearances when he's you know largely played supporting roles. But I think that this is this is his career best because Wayne Jenkins, as really the central focus and the figure here, is not a great guy. He's a very very <laughs> terrible person because he works for this 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 task force and he's done really really horrific things. But he's so charismatic in the way that John Bernthal plays him. He plays him as a character that is clearly conflicted, that clearly deals with some stuff in his own personal life, but he takes it out in a way that abuses his power, that takes advantage of other people, and that just absolutely 
provides further corruption for the system that they're working in. He's no mm-hmm. help at all to the problems that Baltimore has faced as a city with crime and, and corruption and, and authority at the end of the day. But he's so charismatic. He's sometimes even lovable because he really draws you in and he brings you into his world and he makes you feel like you're one of the boys on this on this task force. He's very, very impressionable upon upon other people. And so he's able to influence a lot of the things that go down in, in his immediate surroundings, but you have to ultimately separate yourself from that and realize, like, yeah, this guy's a piece of shit. But what I love <laughs> most about the show is that it doesn't explicitly tell you these things because you have to realize that these are human beings, right? And though mm-hmm. a lot of the people in this show make very misguided decisions and they make really terrible decisions that, that affect people in the worst ways possible, sometimes death is the ultimate outcome, you have to see that these people have their own personal ulterior motives that aren't all that crazy to really wrap your head around. Like there's some, there's some personal gain there that they go after that. I think mm-hmm. a lot of us could relate to in terms of getting what you feel like is owed to you, getting, getting ahead of the game, doing what you can to make sure that you come out on top, especially when it comes to a financial, you know, sort of monetary means. And I think that those things are actually very, very relatable. And sometimes we, you know, we don't like to confront those really tough, difficult conversations because, I, I don't know. I think sometimes it's it's just re- it's really hard to come face to face with that stuff. But it, it's a real thing, and the way that it's played and displayed in this show is just masterful. And across the board, man, all the performances. Wumi Musaku, I really really enjoyed her. I do feel like she probably got a little bit of the short end of the stick as the series progressed. But overall, I think the majority of the cast here they really showed up. Jamie Hector coming back, most notably, is you know Marlo in The Wire, iconic television villain one of the greatest of all time he's doing something very much different here he's coming in playing a different type of character because he is like working for the police now but still conflicted Mm. still dealing with a lot of internal personal struggles as well so there's so much depth so much nuance here and the last thing that i'll just quickly say is that i think the choice to have this just be six episodes was brilliant this is not going to continue this is not going to be like multiple seasons it's telling a very isolated story and for it to be six episodes, it gets in and it gets out. You know, it does what it needs to do in the time allotted. It doesn't overstay its welcome. I sometimes feel like with, with limited series, they can be either hit or miss based on how many episodes they have. Like if they mm-hmm. if they end up being 10, maybe that might might have been too much. You know, maybe eight was was a little bit more sufficient. This one is like using even less. It's it's using six, but the way that it utilizes those six is perfect because it's also a nonlinear story. There's a lot of uses of flashbacks. You see sort of the outcome at the very beginning you know what the ultimate outcome of all of this is but you have to figure mm. out how to get there if you don't really know this that. story in that in Always. that type of way so it's it's fascinating it's it's one of the best shows on tv it was it was brilliant and, and again shout out to john berthoff for his performance and then ultimately you know the the showrunners here george pelicanos and david simon just just extraordinary work so I, I can't wait to see what they do next i don't know if they'll do more stuff related to baltimore and this 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 type of show with with you know what they've done with the wire and now we, we on the city but if they were i mean they they obviously are the masters at it they know how to do it better than anybody so i would totally be in on it man david simon know he like him some some street stories boy or some he loves to be in the just the city and the lights and the you know all the the greediness that that could be it's so interesting I'm, i wonder how he got into that you know because everything he does not feels the same but you know what i mean like we own the city you talked about how it was similar to the wire uh, I think he did some stuff on the Deuce. You know what I mean? Those are all very, you know, gritty kind of kind of things. And so, uh, yeah, it's interesting how you get into that. But this sounds amazing, bro. Especially the way you talk about John Berthall. I mean, the dude has been exceptional. He's he's never never let me down <laughs> in anything that he's done. So I, I I love to hear that he's you know returning here. Wumi Masaku, man, 
she's still upcoming. I can't wait for her to get more work. But man, I'm gonna have to check this out too. I'm gonna, I'm gonna watch it. I think after my Wire rewatch, which I'm planning very soon. Um, I think that might be pretty cool. But yeah, this 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 is definitely getting a watch for me at some point. Yeah, it would be a great doubleheader. Uh, as as it relates to David Simon, I mean that's re- that's his journalism background. You know, he he did a lot of journalism work. He he directly reported for the Baltimore Sun, so he knows this world. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that all of that stuff has influenced and informed his decisions and his choices as a filmmaker and as a showrunner. Like he he has very much the real experience to back up <laughs> all of this stuff because he did there. it for such a, yeah he did it for such a long time. And the last thing I just want to quickly mention that I forgot to say Renault. Marcus Green, director of all the episodes here. He's just I, I'm really loving what what trajectory this guy is on. Like what he did on King Richard and then to come over to do this like immediately after is kind of crazy to me because he has it. Whatever it is that you need to have as a filmmaker, Ronaldo Marcus Green has it. So I'm 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 pretty much all in on him as a director. And he 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 also has the knowledge in the background. He comes from these communities. He's from New York. You know, he grew up mm-hmm. as a as an Afro Latinx man, if I'm not mistaken. Um, like he he he's also I think very much equipped to tell these stories. So whatever he also does next, I'm I'm totally in for. But those are our thoughts on We Own the City, currently streaming on HBO. If you've checked out this series, definitely hit us up. And let us know what you think. And with that being said, we are officially done with all of our reviews for this week. And so we are going to go ahead and transition to the news of the week. And we, of course, have to talk about the news surrounding Batgirl, which happened pretty much as soon as we put out last week's episode. So we've sat on this information for six days at this point. We're just now getting to address it. There's really a lot to unpack here, so I just want to preface this and say that, yes, we have other news items to cover, but we're, we're going to spend a little bit of time really, really unpacking this because there's a lot of different angles as it relates mm-hmm. to the story. There's a lot of nuance and, and just different different elements that we sort of have to address because this is almost really unprecedented when it comes to Hollywood and films and, and just the whole entire process. But as I said, last week we found out that Batgirl, the movie that DC was currently developing had officially been canceled. The movie was finished filming. They were working on post-production. I think that they made it maybe about 10 weeks into post-production, so pretty deep. Mm. The movie was slated to come out this year, although that was up in question. It might have come out next year. It might have been you know, sort of released at the end of the year. We didn't really know. And there were also a lot of questions around the release method, whether or not it would go straight to HBO Max, which is how it was originally intended to land, or... Mm-hmm. If they were going to add a little bit more money to it, maybe do some reshoots and then bring it to theaters. Well, ultimately, neither is going to happen because if you don't know, Warner Brothers is under new leadership. They recently just got out, got bought out by Discovery, which is a huge conglomerate in and of itself. And so currently there's a big transition happening with the company now known as Warner Brothers Discovery. And so we found out that this movie did indeed get canceled. And so they released a statement last week, and I'll go ahead and read that. There's a lot of statements that we'll have to get through and unpack as we talk about this. But the initial statement from Warner Brothers Discovery. Discovery stated, quote, the decision to not release Batgirl reflects our leadership strategic shift as it relates to the DC Universe and HBO Max. Leslie Grace is an incredibly talented actor. The decision is not a reflection of her performance, end quote. We also got a few other quotes, though, as well as other outlets were reporting on this and sort of breaking the news and following it up with their own inside sources. And so from The Wrap, who also started to report about this as well, they stated, quote, The new owners and management are committed to making DC titles big theatrical event films, and Batgirl isn't that. And so there's a lot more to unpack here, but just to start off with, you know, before we dive even deeper into just like all the nuances as it relates to the situation, what was your initial reaction to finding out this news? What did you initially think when you heard that Batgirl was officially being canceled? I honestly just couldn't believe it because it, you know, you said it, it was so... 
unprecedented. We never had something so close and seen so much <laughs> of something just for it not to come out at all or, you know, to be to be canceled completely, especially this is something we talked about on the show <laughs> a lot, actually. You know what I mean? We talked about our anticipation for Batgirl. We we seen those first looks at whether it was on set or that that very you know prominent picture of, of Leslie Grace in the Batgirl costume, how similar it was to the comic costume, and we talked about the directors on this show from Miss Marvel. There's just a lot, you know, that I think we were we that that was going through my mind. I think at the time because it was so weird. In, in you know the first time I hear it I'm like okay what else has been canceled too you know it, but in it because there's so much crazy shit on the line at, at Warner I just couldn't put together in my head why Batgirl what has happened to Batgirl and in, in, you know uh, uh, one of my other thoughts was was is the test screenings that bad <laughs> you know what I mean? That's one of one of my first thoughts, and so again, and just trying to figure it out, I really was again more than anything. You know, we'll get into all the other stuff later, but more than anything, I was just disappointed, man, because I couldn't, I couldn't figure out where it was coming from, and it, it hurt even more. Again, that it was it was happening to to representation. You know what I mean? It was happening to a a black Latinx woman. It was happening to. You know, um, um, really all parties involved was just sad, too. Anytime a movie gets canceled or anything happens, you're like, damn, that's a lot of work. That's a lot of hours that they had to put into this project for it not them not to get anything out of it. It just sucks. Like, I can only imagine. Uh, I'm an engineer. I work at projects at work. I can, I will be, bruh, listen. Somebody told me work on this project for, shoot, I, even six months. Somebody said work on this project for six months. And then at the first day of month seven, they say, uh, y'all can go home. We're not doing this anymore. I'm still mad. Like, I have to I have a right to be upset. You know what I mean? And I have a right to feel like the work I did should be appreciated somewhere. You know what I mean? Somebody's going to see this project that I've been working on. And that's literally the case here. They're not we're not going to see the project. So it's 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 just a lot to think about, man. But those are kind of some of my initial thoughts. I was just simply shocked because I've never seen anything like this happen and projects in Hollywood get killed all the time, but never this far in the game yes. uh, mm -hmm. when they've invested so much. This movie has now come out. Uh, the reported budget was $90 million. It was initially slated to be $75 million, but costs bumped up because of COVID protocols and just the, the just significant costs that it takes to, to, to run sort of an operation like that. Very expensive movie, very uh, premier movie that was going to debut on HBO Max. So to see that something of this scale and this size was just going to get canceled after they filmed it, they literally filmed it, just unprecedented. And and that was reaffirmed when I saw like other filmmakers come out and say like I've never seen anything like this. Like Scott Derrickson, who's you know sitting on top of a one hundred million dollar grossing movie with the Black Phone that just came out hugely successful, mm -hmm. came out and said like I've never seen anything like this happen before. So it just reaffirmed how I felt. I was like I don't know if this has gone down. Like yes, stuff gets canceled all the time, but usually in the early developmental stages you know usually mm -hmm. when scripts are being read and you see you see that a story can come together or schedules just don't align but at this far in the game when you just anticipate like yeah this is going to come out because they filmed it uh, for it to just go away it's just kind of crazy now yeah. you have to ask why well what is the reason it got canceled why did they just go ahead and give away this 90 million dollar movie when they've already spent the money well We've been finding out quite a lot of information as it relates to it. First of all, I want to talk about the movie's reception. You mentioned those test screenings. Well, we apparently got some 
words from notable insiders who have knowledge of the situation that, that they probably got a little bit of feedback about the test screening. This is from the New York Post, who actually, this is the outlet that initially broke the news, the New York Post. They said, quote, those test screenings were said to be so poorly received by moviegoers that the studio decided to cut its losses and run for the sake of the brand's future. It's a DC disaster, end quote. Collider chimed in and said, quote, spoke to people that saw Bad Girl, and they said it was a huge disappointment. Also that the costumes look cheap, especially Keaton's Batman costume. I figured WB would dump it on HBO Max, but looks like we will never see it, end quote. And lastly, Rolling Stone says, quote, sources say the film began testing with audiences on July 14th, and while Grace's performance was embraced, the overall feedback was harsh. One source familiar with audience testing for the film likened it to a bad episode of TV, while another said it's definitely not theatrical, end quote. And so you take this information, you take this insider knowledge, and you pair it with what Warner Brothers Discovery has said, and essentially mm -hmm. they've come to the conclusion that this movie is in a really weird predicament. It costs $90 million, right? And so it's too expensive to just dump on streaming because mm -hmm. you're not going to necessarily make any money from streaming putting out a $90 million movie for free, right. essentially. But it's also not quite good enough to put in theaters because it was designed for streaming. It was not designed mm -hmm. for the big screen. Now, what's interesting to me is that when this was all initially announced a couple of years ago, and we talked about it on this show, when Walter Hamada, who still works for them, by the way, was talking about doing more risky movies. He wanted to make smaller properties that didn't cost necessarily $200 million, but would possibly live on another platform such as HBO Max. He wanted to explore other characters. Fine. I'm totally on board with that. We can't continue to just always do Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman. Let's go somewhere else, right? But it was always designed from the get-go to be for a streaming platform. And my question is why? Why was that the case from the get-go? Why was it specifically designed that way? Because mm -hmm. if you look at the model of streaming, we just talked about The Gray Man. That's a movie that costs like $220 million. Why are we spending that much money on movies when they're not going to get that type of return if you put them out on streaming? It doesn't make any right. sense, right? And, you know, I think mm -hmm. the streaming model is good for certain things, absolutely. And that's not to say that movies shouldn't be on streaming. But why are we spending so much money for a platform when you're not going to get that type of return? So the, the, the decision itself was, I think, misinformed from the, from the get-go. Like the decision mm -hmm. to make a movie this expensive for HBO Max doesn't really make sense. That being said... When you talk about the quality of the movie, when you actually get the final product, or at least as close to the final product as if they've gotten it up until this point, and you see that it's not great. If, 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 if we are to assume that everything they're saying here is true and you see that it's not great, well, then what are you to do as a studio? What are you to do as leadership? We know DC has had a very checkered track record. They've not been great at establishing this crossover mm -hmm. universe. It's just not been great. It's been very inconsistent, to say the least. And so as new leadership coming in, and I have lots of thoughts on this, and some of them might conflict, whatever. But David Zaslav, new <laughs> leadership, he's coming in under a new regime and trying to do things his own way. And it's going very much against what the old regime was. Like Jason Kilar, when he used to be in that position, wanted to flood HBO Max. That's why he did the whole day and date situation with 2021. Let's put mm -hmm. everything on HBO Max day and date, get more subscribers. All right, whatever. That's your bottom line. David Zaslav is saying, no, we want DC to be treated with respect. We want these movies to live up to a certain quality. We want them to look a certain way. We want them to feel a certain way. They have to be designed for the big screen, and this isn't that. Therefore, we're not going to move forward with it. Now, I don't want to brush any feelings under the rug because I completely agree with you. The work that was put into this that we'll never get to see the light of day, that's just heartbreaking. And my, my right. heart goes out to everybody involved with this, especially the two directors, Adil and Bilal, who I've praised multiple times for their work in the past. 
this is crazy. And for them to find out during, I think it was a deal, he's getting married in Egypt, and he found this out during his wedding. That's I, that's just different. I don't know how you even cope with that, right? But mm-hmm. my heart goes out to them. It can't be understated how devastating this must be because people should have their art seen. But at the end of the day, I think it's interesting to see DC is in a position now where they can change because they do have leadership who's willing yeah. to make very hard decisions. And mm-hmm. so we as an audience, what what does that line look like? Do we just accept shit? Like if Batgirl is a shit movie, do we yeah. just be fine with it have it come out just for the sake of seeing it to say like oh yeah you know let's let's watch it and then mm-hmm. judge it because it isn't a great movie or do we say and acknowledge that somebody is coming in trying to actually lead and make tough decisions right because this is a tough decision at the end of the day yeah. now the optics don't look great as you said the representation leslie grace being an afro-latina woman this is really kind of the first time having that type of platform the optics of that don't look great i don't know if it's really mm-hmm I'm going to be careful how I say this, but I don't know. I don't think that that influenced this decision at all. Like if the movie was legitimately bad, then that has to, we have to separate that from the quality Mm -hmm. of the movie. But the reality is the optics don't look great when you have other movies that are led by white men who continue to get pushed forward. Right. So I can understand Mm -hmm. also just the feelings of like how people feel. I'll stop there. I've said a lot. There's more to talk about, but what do you think about all of that? Just a choice to shelve a movie if it is bad and just what that looks like Mm -hmm. and what that means for, you know, even the future of DC as they move ahead. I just have so many thoughts, man. First and foremost, the the responses of the test screening, what are we spending the money on? The costumes look cheap. It looks like a TV movie. What what are we spending the 90K, 90 mil on? That's the part I'm confused. One of the parts, biggest parts I'm confused about. Because <laughs> I feel like if anything, it would be shot well. You know what I mean? Like It shouldn't look like it's on TV. <laughs> it's like, this is very much... Not a low budget film. It's a big budget film. Ninety k is a big budget film, or ninety mil is a big budget film, and so it, I don't know. That part already feels weird. It's like something in production was going weird. That something's not being talked about there either. Because Michael, we word of the year, bro. Care word of the year. Where was the care and all of that stuff? It sounds like why would Michael Keaton have a bad suit? You know what I'm saying? Like, this dude, they should... That's where a lot of the money should be going. Costumes. One of the most important things of a superhero film. That part is... That that right there um, is one thing I thought that was weird to me. But it's such... I'm of two minds, bro. I have to... I have to, Like you said, a lot of these ideas are going to conflict. But it's also how it is at Warner right now. You know what I mean? Like, there's... It, it makes sense on both ends so much. I think one one part of me is also, I think trying to understand and fathom how Black Adam had terrible test screenings. And then they reshot. Now everyone is like, okay, we can put this out. You know what I mean? And it's like here, it's like, well, it's bad. Y'all don't get to reshoot, though. (laughs) Y'all don't get to do all the reshoots and stuff. In fact, y'all can't even sell this for no kind of money. Mm -hmm. We're going to do a tax write-off. Like, we can't. Y'all never going to see this ever see the light of day and so i don't know i hate that that happens so close together you know what i mean it's like ah, black adam gets it bad girl doesn't and I, I hate that about it but even as black adam as a trailer we can tell that got more care probably after hearing than what Batgirl was getting i just don't know what's going on there money wise if we're throwing money at something you should see it sounds like the test screen and we weren't seeing no money if it looks like a tv movie and the costumes are bad what's going on there i don't know but I, I love 
the idea of having new leadership, like you said, a direction. They've been talking about it for years. We've been talking about it for years on this show. Who is DC's Kevin Feige, goddammit? We've been talking about that so long because it's important, right? Just as any TV show, any famous good TV show has a showrunner, any, you know, really good franchise probably has a person behind it who gets it. You know what I'm saying? People just get it. And DC never really had that. Yeah, to begin with, they never really had that. It was always jumping from people to people. For a second, we thought it was going to be Zack Snyder. Things, you know, transpire there. doesn't end up working. Like, it just, I don't know. It was just a lot kind of happening. So I love the idea, I think, of of, of David Zaslov coming in and saying there's new direction. The weird part for me, even in that decision, loving that there's new direction, is the reset part. Is that, and, and I think they're trying to figure this out too, which is why we don't have any, you know, real concrete, <laughs> anything there's a lot we're doing a reset 10 years we're gonna try to be like kevin viking and marvel okay but what does that look like and so you know what's weird to say okay we're gonna do a reset and, and establish these characters again if i see i told we talked about this off podcast if i see batman and these pearls one more goddamn time if i see wonder woman i love wonder woman do we have to trash that movie i don't want to <laughs> i don't want to it's a good in there's one other kind of lingering thing in my mind is that because of the way all of this started, no matter what you do, D or Marvel will always have the better outlook overall. There's no matter... DC could reset right now and go crazy. Everyone will always be like, but the MCU when it started out, though. You know what I'm saying? And so I wonder if they see it from that perspective in terms of a reset. I love, again, I love the idea of, yes, let's do a 10-year plan. But does, what does that mean? Like, do we have to reset completely? I think is the only part that's, that's weirding me out a little bit about the, the the language. And so I think that's something I'm trying to figure out in my head as, as things transpire, because I, as a property that has been putting out some low key bangers that for some reason, it's just that the marvelness of it all, we keep forgetting like the Batman didn't come out and Joker didn't come out. We act like birds of prey is a bad movie. I don't know like where some of this stuff is coming from. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, Shazam is right there. Black Adam is what are we doing? <laughs> like, is it is that needed that much where? Yeah, I don't know. So it's it's, it's a lot. It's a lot to talk yeah. about and kind of wrap our heads around. But it, it feels like. I don't it feels like DC's trying to catch up with something that they'll never be able to catch. Like we're trying to be Marvel, but you're never going to be. You've already lost, bro. It's like one of them things where it's like just be yourself at this point. You can only do what you can do. I. Maybe structure like them? Yes, of course, they can be an influence and an inspiration. There's been a ton of references to each other recently. There was a Superman reference in Eternals, and there was uh, Iron Man reference in DC Super Pets. You know what I'm saying? But it's like, I don't know. There has to be like a middle ground where you both are yourself and you understand that influence. And it, right now, it feels like more of just you're trying to be like them completely than to be your own. So, yeah, that's that's some of my thoughts. Yeah, well, what I like to say with the whole DC Marvel comparison is that I agree with you. They'll never catch up at this point. It's it's just it's a it's a losing race. But no studio will catch up because DC Nobody. is not exclusive to trying to create the shared cinematic universe whole model. And Marvel didn't invent that. The comic books invented that, right? And exactly. so there were also other movies and franchises that did it 
decades before. There were crossovers in the fucking 1940s, like it happened. <laughs> but Marvel popularized it, of course, right? They 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 established the new model for what it exists as now. No studio can catch up. So I don't even like to you know draw that comparison because I tell people Star Wars can't do it. Fucking the MonsterVerse can't do it. There's it's not happening. There's a ton of dead universe shared universes out there that just didn't work mm-hmm. because they can't replicate that same success because there can really only be one and and one who's done it so successfully to the degree that marvel has like it's 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 stupid to even i think make that comparison <laughs> not like not calling you that obviously but i just think that it's just like yeah. a, it's it's a weird thing to do now like we all have the the fucking proof to show like this is Stop. not a race it's it's a yeah. it's a one it. it's, it's michael jordan <laughs> playing in a game by himself like that's what it is but there's so many things too. Like I think um, one one thing that I've been thinking a lot about with this whole situation is that I think that there needs to be space that exists for smaller superhero movies to exist. I don't think that every superhero mm-hmm. movie that we get should mm-hmm. cost 200, 250, 300 million dollars. Like we cannot have mm-hmm. the biggest movies all the time. There has to be room for variety. There has to be room for different types of stakes. Everything can't be about the end of the world or an apocalyptic event, right? And I think that's what'll con- have the genre continue to thrive in in the coming mm-hmm. years is to see that variety that exists. You know, even a movie like Joker cost 70 million dollars around that area and look what it did, right? And so I think the idea of creating a smaller movie 90 million i mean to everybody else it's not small but relatively compared to everything else that's out there smaller movie but you still also have to design it for the big screen if that's how you're going to do it just because it costs Mm -hmm. 90 million dollars and just because you're spending that money doesn't mean it's going to be reflected in how you're shooting the film it actually still has to be designed that way and the care has to be put into it to account for what that run is going to look like. And then we also found out that it's not even just about the price tag of the movie. It's about all the incurring costs that would then come down the road. The 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 the, the millions more that it would take to market this movie. They estimated it would mm-hmm. take at least like another 30 to 50 million dollars to market it if they were to My put God. it in movies in the movie theaters it would take another millions more to to have these actors and the crew be a part of a marketing campaign and press to promote the movie nearly doubling the size of what they spent right and so if you see a movie and you watch it as an executive and you see that it's not great and you're not really in a position to spend more money on it because they are cutting costs across the company as a whole it's not exclusive to dc there's other shit that's been canceled people you should look at cnn plus that literally launched and got killed within a week and it cost 300 million dollars like that's what this guy is about. He's not afraid to make these really tough decisions. Like, that's mm-hmm. crazy. $300 million on a streaming service and you kill that's it wild. within a week? So we should have already known, like, oh, he's serious. He's about his business. He's really trying to turn this ship around. Now, that has different meanings because does everything need to be to the scale of a Batman or a Black Adam? No, I don't think so. I think mm-hmm. we need room for smaller stories, but they still have to be good at the end of the day. They still actually have to turn out to be good products. And then you have people that say like, oh, well, that hasn't stopped them from putting out shitty movies before. And that's totally reasonable because art is subjective and people's filmmaker, their filmmakers visions and what they pour their heart into. Like, mm-hmm. let's leave it up to interpretation for how people view that. I totally get that. And I, I'm, I'm, I'm there. But also, you know, I think the flip side to that is when you look at DC as a brand, a brand that is tarnished, there's no way around it. No matter how many wins they've gotten, it's a brand that's tarnished. And, you know, you mm-hmm. talked about some of those movies, those recent wins that they've had, like a Shazam or the Batman. Those are great movies. I, I love those movies. I think the problem is visibility. A lot of people yeah. haven't seen Shazam. 
as great as it is because exactly. they don't trust DC. You know, they don't want to go see DC. The Suicide Squad came out in theaters last year. I think it's a great movie. It bombed. It literally bombed because the first Suicide Squad sucked. It just sucked. <laughs> we got we to be real about it. So yeah. DC as a brand has been tarnished over the past decade. And it's had a lack of direction because of a lot of the leadership changes, which is no fault to DC's own. That's a that's a corporate thing. And so when you when you recognize that as a fact and you start having to make decisions, what are you going to do? Are you going to continue to put out stuff that further tarnishes that brand or are you going to make a choice that says this is going to hurt a lot of people? This is going to fucking suck. But for the betterment of the brand and for where we want to take it in the next 10 years, this mm -hmm. is what we have to do. I take another example also within the Warner Brothers camp. The Matrix, the most recent Matrix movie, The Matrix Resurrections, I liked it. I liked mm -hmm. that movie, but it's not a good movie. If I'm being real and honest, it's not a great, mm -hmm. it's just not a good movie. And a lot of people also agree with that. And a lot of people didn't see it. And so now The Matrix as a brand is low-key kind of dead. And we talked a lot about that movie when we were reviewing it. Like, what's next for The Matrix? Like, people didn't watch it. It didn't get great reviews. So what's next for The Matrix? Maybe somebody should have been there along the process to say, like, you know, this isn't this isn't going where we where we need it to go. You know, this Matrix mm -hmm. movie, it's not what it used to be. Should we pivot? Is it worth doing? And now I don't I don't know what the Matrix will ever be again. Could could they have benefited from maybe somebody being there at the, at, at the process to say, like, we should probably just put a halt on this and, and re reconvene and reconsider what this all mm -hmm. might mean so that we can continue to make this a viable brand for us. And I yeah. think it's a very similar situation with DC. If this movie, again, if we're assuming that it was bad, is the decision to not put it out, does that trump our desire to see it? Does that trump the desire for a filmmaker's mm -hmm. vision come to life? I don't have that direct answer, and I think it's tough either way, but I will say that like, if we truly want change out of a brand, if we want DC to get, quote-unquote, get their act together and become a behemoth, not to the step, the level of Marvel, but you know maybe somewhere close, or maybe aspire yeah. to get there and get that structure and to get that consistency. Mm -hmm. If we want that to happen, they cannot continue to put out shit. Period. They cannot. That that is not an option. Absolutely. Marvel, as critical as we might be for some things, they haven't put out flat out shit. Not in my opinion. Some people disagree, mm -hmm. but I think for the most part, what makes them so successful is consistency, regardless mm -hmm. of how good or how mediocre something might be they can follow up a mediocre movie with something that's really, really great. And they continue to do it over and over. And so I don't know. That's what I see from that perspective. That's how I view it. You know, I, I, again, I don't have a direct answer for it, but I do think that sometimes a tough decision has to be fucking made for something that is going to take a long time to write that ship and to steer it in a different direction. So that's kind of where I see it and, and, and sort of, you know, have my thoughts on it at that point. Yeah, it is. It's very much, you know, just one of those, are he he's he david zaslov is trying to risk it in order to get the biscuit man but <laughs> two steps right back now, three steps forward two steps, sort of three you steps know? forward but right now he got to burn the kitchen down on mm. purpose you gotta that's that's really what he's going for man um and like you said that is a hard pill to swallow for anybody i think another just worry for me is the time time bro um it's what man is still almost 10 years old there's no sequel that's a problem. Think about that. That's a That's problem. That's a problem. Yeah. And the, I I think that movie's still underrated. <laughs> I think Zack Snyder's done some crazy stuff in that movie. Uh, but it is, it's just, it. you look at that and you're just like, yeah, there's a problem. And in fact, it's also funny, though, because we have talked on the show several times <laughs> that there was no direction. And there's so much confusion. You know what I mean? And now he's like, okay, 
we see the confusion we see the lack of direction let's get some and and but uh, the the other part of time again i'm afraid for is man it's 2022 you're gonna scrap what you probably one i don't uh i'm pretty sure blue beetles getting scrapped I'm pretty sure any signs of a static movie is getting, getting scrapped in my, for right now in my mind. Right, and, and that's a shame. Is, that's a real yeah. yeah. I, that hurts. I, yeah, that really lot. hurts. That and that's to my point about like we need we need characters with like we can't keep doing the same stories. We need to see these other them. characters, and there has there does have to be a risk at a some at a certain point to say like okay, mm-hmm. let's look at these other smaller characters who haven't gotten the opportunity to shine before, and like let's let's put those resources behind them from the get go, and maybe that's what he's going for. We don't know because mm-hmm. Batgirl was greenlit. Out from under his direction he, he wasn't in charge of the company so maybe if he was involved in that decision it wouldn't have happened it wouldn't have happened he probably could have said like okay all right well let's give it what it needs to make it to make it successful and so maybe mm-hmm. we can do that with these other characters you mentioned but i'm, I'm scared for those too because you can't say we want dc to be marvel and and not give the platform to those characters that that, that need that you can't exactly. you can't highlight the same people over and over yeah i just i have a feeling that even with this 10-year plan my my hope is that that's where we start you know what i'm saying i know he's talking about oh let's give this to superman this to wonder woman this to batman we got let's redo well let's redo batman too batman could have started or batgirl could have (laughs) started you know what i'm saying that world could be different you could start maybe not at the bat family but again a very much older batman we don't have to go through the beginning again you don't have to be year two like the batman either you can be a very much older even closer to Ben Affleck, Bruce Wayne, you know what I mean? But it's closer to establishing the Bat family. And then Batgirl comes in, and then Red Hood comes Like, we, they're just stories being told on from the comic book side and, and the video game side. And it feels like we can't waste. I, I don't know. I just feel like they can't waste too much time not telling those stories anymore. You know what right. I'm saying? Yeah. Marvel is like, again, it's... A, it's not to be com- straight comparison, right? But Marvel, Miss Marvel is out as a TV show. That comic book came out like barely a decade ago, literally over a decade ago that Kamala Khan existed. We couldn't even get a man to steal two in 10 years. You know <laughs> what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> I think that's the craziest shit ever. But I, I'm, I think there's a way for them to move forward to, to both, you know, um, just, just to get both, bro. They can have their kick in either two, I think. I think you can you can you can get Superman and Wonder Woman while still having a blue beetle and static on the deck. You know what I'm saying? I think there's room for all of that. But I shoot. You wanna you wanna talk about something? If 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 they can if Marvel can start with Iron Man, Marvel can start with Green Lantern. Don't you can't tell me otherwise. You can't. Because we're not gonna pretend like Iron Man was the most popular character when iron man came out right you know what i'm saying like so i don't know i think i think there's room for everyone to win here still even in the darkness that all this exhibits you know what i mean again it still hurts because it's like am i gonna see the same actors is gal gadot still wonder woman is is do we still have the same aquaman is is everyone still on board you know what i'm saying i still have so many questions that that i think they have questions for too and they're trying to answer but that was the only i'm just a very of course you're going to be afraid of the darkness, right? Of course you're going to be afraid for what you can't see. And I'm hoping that David Zaslav and WB takes the time to, to – it's time to paint the picture for us now. Like, if you're going to say you have this 10-year plan, Marvel says that, and they're like, okay, well, we'll give you the next three. You know what I'm saying? I'm hoping Warner has that answer for us very soon. Yeah, I think um, – I'm hoping at least, because I don't know for sure, but I'm hoping that the, the, the whole terminology behind reset – 
is loose and i'm hoping it's solved mm-hmm. you know he, he did say he, on on the earnings call he said quote we've done a reset we've structured the business there will be a team with a 10-year plan focusing just on dc it's very similar to the structure that alan horn and bob Iger put together very effectively with kevin feige and disney and so mm-hmm. i'm hoping that that reset is a, it, it's soft right because he did mention also black adam he thinks looks great he thinks mm-hmm. aquaman looks great he thinks the he flash did. That movie, if it exists, throw that in the trash. He thinks that that looks great. I, you know what? I so I, Ezra aside, there's a lot of people attached to that movie, and I want their work to be seen. Um, I I think I I think they got to figure out they got to figure out something though, because that that's a weird situation. (laughs) But I think we keep the things that work, and then they re Mm -hmm. reassess all the other things that work. I, you know, you it's just at the point you get rid of people like Jason Momoa or Gal Gadot, that's just dumb decision-making at that point. Now I'm just going to say you're an idiot, you know, and I don't think he's an idiot. He's extremely successful. Um, He might be a little aggressive in his tactics, but maybe that's what (laughs) they need right now. And I think structure is something we constantly revisit when we talk about DC. And I'm, I'm very much like harping on that because I think that that's ultimately been the problem with, not only just DC again this is Warner Brothers like we Warner. have to we have to really be important and <laughs> intentional <Potter>. about that <laughs> yeah about that 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 making that distinction cuz people might have a miss conception that dc is like its own thing and it's it's really not you know there there is no dc studios like there is a marvel studios people have to realize like marvel studios is literally a division there's visual effects artists there's development artists there's a security team there's marketing and all of they've built this team out over the course of 10 plus years so that it's a viable division no different than lucasfilm which has all of these different arms and departments underneath it dc hasn't had that Everything that DC has done has been very much integrated into the larger Warner Brothers strategy. And you have these different producers and production teams that come on. Zack Snyder brings his people. The Rock brings his people, you know, and everybody mm-hmm. has their hands in the pot. And it's really it's 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 a lot of different masters, you know, and I think a movie like Black Adam is going to come out because it's The Rock. It's The Rock at the end it's of the rock. day. And the movie costs 200 million dollars. It didn't cost 90 million. They're not going to snuff that. You know, they're going to put that out. And so um, I think it all comes down to structure. So if they have put this team together. That's a great start. You need a team. You need to make DC Studios its own thing. That should exist on its own and be separate from everything else that you're doing so that you can focus solely on what those future projects will be. So I'm hoping that that absolutely is the case. And the other thing that I'll just quickly mention that I think actually paints a picture of success for them that they haven't had ever before, and this is the wild card, and that's Alan Horn, who Mm. had a long career with Warner Brothers, was responsible for the Harry Potter franchise, was responsible for the Dark Knight trilogy, was responsible for the Lord of the Rings movies. That was really Warner Brothers in its heyday. And then retires, gets lured out of retirement by Bob Iger at Disney to craft their film strategy and goes on a fucking murderer's row of like almost 10 years of what he was able to do. He was able to bolster their animated division and create a resurgence for that. Pixar became more of a juggernaut. Marvel really found their footing in that time period. He was able to create synergy amongst all of the division of the divisions of Disney and that's why they were so successful. 3 years ago, they had 9 movies that grossed over a billion dollars. That's never happened before, probably never happen again. That was under his leadership. Now Alan Horn, who can probably never retire at this point. I feel sorry for him. Has gone back to Warner <laughs> Brothers. He's acting in an advisory capacity to David Zaslav and he's going to help with this. He's going to help them craft a strategy for their whole movie division. The guy knows what he's doing. So they didn't have that before. So if we talk about success and what that might look like for the future, He's the one to do it. He's proven it many, many times over. So I'm actually, I have a little bit of confidence there as it relates to that. But ultimately, the one thing I really do agree with you on is just like, we can't keep resetting. Like, 
We can't keep doing that. You cannot Fine. you cannot do that. Like <laughs> something has to be we can't keep having these damn corporate mergers changing the strategy every two or three years. Mm. You're never gonna get anywhere. It's just gonna be setback after setback after setback. At some point, there has to be some consistency. And we need to see it for a very sustained amount of time and we just haven't gotten that. That's really the ultimate thing about all this. And so I think ultimately with this story, Bad Girl is obviously the central figure of it. And I, again, my heart goes out to all these people involved with it because this is terrible, you know, to work on something for so long and it probably will never see the light of day. Um, that That's really unfortunate. You know, there, there's no way around that. And I, I hope everybody who worked on it can still reap the benefits of being a part of this crew and this production for their future careers. Thanks. You know, Leslie Grace is still early in her career. This was going to be her first real leading role. And so I hope that she can still continue to find successful work in this in this field as she as she pursues it, hopefully. And the same yeah, with the directors, you know, and it, yeah, it, it might. Right. It might be a new window of opportunity for her. But, um, you know, that's that's a sad thing that I'll never brush under the rug, you know, because I'm a creator myself. And I'm like that, you know, that hurts to, to be that's on something and it just gets killed. That's the nature of the business, too. That is Hollywood. Things do die. Um, hopefully they can just avoid a train wreck like this because it really is a train wreck it doesn't look great um but there are some some necessary realities to it all but we talked about that for a long time there's there a lot of thoughts on that uh obviously <laughs> this is a big situation to unpack again because it is unprecedented but we'll go ahead and move on and talk about another dc thing another news item we've been talking about this joker folly ado now has an official release date october 4th 2024 it will arrive in theaters five years to the day it will premiere since the first Joker, the same movie that launched this podcast. So now, Des, I hate to break it to you. We got to keep doing this podcast for another two and a half years because there's <laughs> no least. way we can. Minimum. That's minimum. Like, it'll either be the series finale or it'll just like be another episode and we'll just keep going we'll after that. We'll have a there. TV show by then. <laughs> <laughs> a companion show. You're right. Um, but yeah, I mean, finally good to get confirmation. Lady Gaga also confirmed she is in this movie. Um, she didn't confirm whether or not she's Harley Quinn, but who else is she going to be if we're being honest about it? But mm-hmm. she did indeed confirm her involvement with the little teaser that they posted. Um, we got a while before this movie comes out, but does it excite you to at least know that it is happening? We have a release date and Lady Gaga is in fact a part of it. Of course. I um, also love the idea to keep it on the same date. You know, I think that's really cool. Some people try to do that. You know, usually, I don't know, if you think of Avengers, they always come out around May. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right. Like, I, I just love, I love the idea of keeping consistency with a time that a movie comes out because it gives, it gives the feeling of sequel to me. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, it's summertime. Let's watch Jaws. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I love how, like, that's a, that's just a thing. Um, so, yeah, I love, I love that. Lady Gaga's a part of it. Uh, again, I think she's exceptional man in, in the things that we've seen her in so far. Of course, she's Harley Quinn, but I also love how they're like waiting to show her. I love like, mm. here's just the silhouette because there's so much time for us to get there. You know what I mean? They, they have a lot of marketing, I think, to play with in between that time. This is kind of a, a long time to, to have to sit on something. Like around October next year, we're going to be like, damn, that movie still ain't out. And we gotta wait another year. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like that's a long time, and so I'm 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 all for uh, uh, again whatever marketing choices they make, but still very much excited. Like you said, launch this podcast, a movie we very much um, appreciate on the show, and now you know we hold dear to us because of this show. So I'm 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 very much excited to watch it. And of course, we'll be there. Well said, man. And uh, we can't forget that this is slated to be a musical, um, or at least it will have musical sequences, which, you know, again, why else would you get Lady Gaga, one of the really one of the most talented singers in the world? Um, I think Joaquin, he's going to need this time to get himself ready to 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 (laughs) to match the vocal performance of of a true Mm -hmm. artisan like herself. But they are 
they I think yeah no he he's gonna do it if I mean he he he, he can do anything in my mind at this point we've seen <laughs> we've seen that be proven time and time again but it looks like they're slated to begin production on this at the end of this year so they are very much working ahead on this and I think that they're gonna spend a lot of time filming and obviously a lot of time in post production getting it in the place that it needs to be but you know mm-hmm. I think because it is a musical that's probably why there is such a big lead time because. I think the degree of difficulty is significantly higher than the first one now because For of sure. possible choreography sequences and musical sequences. And will they create an entire soundtrack to accompany the movie? Probably so. Mm. That's going to take a lot of time too, right? So I think mm-hmm. uh, having two plus years until the release date makes sense within the context of what they're going after, but it will be painful to wait nonetheless. But on the other side of town, we've been sort of referencing them here as we talked about DC and Batgirl, Marvel and um, the loose lips at Marvel Studios because uh, quite a few <laughs> talent have, um, I think, let Fair some enough. things slip that they sh- probably shouldn't be talking about. <laughs> um, none of this is confirmed, but I can't help but put this in the notes because, like, why else would they say these things? It must be real, um, especially mm-hmm. as we know D23 is also around the corner and we suspect that more announcements about the future of Marvel Studios will be made. But first... On today, Patton Oswalt, who we now know, spoiler alert, made a cameo appearance in Eternals as Pip the Troll, along with um, Harry Styles, who, 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 who you know premiered in the MCU in that movie, as Eros, the, the brother of Thanos. Patton Oswalt was on today, and he confirmed that a sequel to Eternals is indeed happening, and Chloe Zhao is back in the director's chair for this movie, so... Eternals 2, I think, is something we asked about when they were running through their their future slate of of Phase 5 and Phase 6 at Comic-Con, and we did not see any sort of sequel, real sequel announcements. We didn't see anything for Shang-Chi. We didn't see anything for Eternals. The only real sequel, I think, to the properties that we got out of Phase 4 was for Loki Season 2, which we already knew was coming. Mm -hmm. Um, What do you think about Eternals coming back, like doing that story again? It's probably the most divisive Marvel movie that we've ever gotten. It's the lowest rated on Rotten Tomatoes. So not that many people love it, but there does seem to be maybe some other stories to tell considering the amount of characters that they introduce. Are you excited for another Eternals? Do you like that Chloe Zhao is also back to director? What are your thoughts on this one? Um, I think I'm all for it, man. I think Chloe Zhao is uh, uh, still an exceptional director. No matter you know what I think we think about that movie or the way this, in which that movie went, you know what I mean. I think we can't just be like, "Oh, this one movie was divisive," and then throw her away. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I very much think there's 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 more story to tell, especially the way the first Eternals ended. It's like, well, yeah, Eternals, you y'all have a lot to to do right now. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? There's a lot going on here that we need to talk about. So there's no surprise here that it's happening. Really, the again, the only surprise is that. Patton Oswalt said it on today. Like, what? This is this is the outlet in which we find this out. Like, you couldn't wait to like a D twenty three or something. I don't know. Like, it's just it's just weird that it came out this way. But no big surprises here. Um, I'm actually proud of Marvel for saying let's do Chloe Zhao again here too, um, because I, I can see a world where they're like, ooh, Chloe, this didn't go that well. We're gonna have to go with somebody else. I can definitely see a world in which that happens, and I'm very proud of them for not doing that because. She's still a very, very talented um, filmmaker in, in, in my eyes, so I'm, I'm happy it's still happening. But yeah, I'm, I'm still very much looking forward to Eternals too. I think there's, like I said, there's more story to be told, and a lot of people, they have a lot to them. Eternals, there's a lot going on in that world. We might not have captured it all perfectly in the first one, but there's very much, I think, room to expand in the second. So I'm looking forward to, 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 to that expansion, really, for, for us to understanding them even better. 
I have a theory that with all of these items, Marvel is leaking this 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 stuff themselves. They are telling these actors to go and confirm. Especially this, stuff. this next one. Yeah, for the pun- sure. yeah, the, yeah. I think I think they're doing this on purpose, to be honest. But um, as it relates to Eternals two, I agree. It makes sense, especially with the way that that movie ended off. It was interesting though at the time that that movie was coming out and they were doing the press. Nate Moore, who was the producer on that movie, um, you know, talked about. How Eternals didn't necessarily need to have a sequel. You know, he he said that they don't design mm-hmm. movies necessarily to become franchises. Like it's really a case by case basis. And so I thought there might have been some room to say like, oh well, maybe maybe Eternals does exist in a vacuum. Maybe you mm-hmm. can take a different approach and have those characters splinter off and go into other franchises and other and other worlds mm-hmm. and other you know sort of I guess dominions of Marvel to explore their relationship with other people. But the way that it all ended off, it was like, yeah, there's more to do. And and also the people like I think most people's problems with that film didn't exist with the directing. It existed with the story mm, and the characters. Yeah. I don't think mm. anybody I, I mean, if you did, it feels kinda weird. I don't remember anybody saying like, Oh yeah, that directing was ass. Like it was trash. <laughs> like Eternals was the worst directed movie of the year. Nobody said that. So right. it was all story related and exposition and characters mm, and you know, not feeling exactly. a connection. So I think that those are things that can be fixed, you know bring on a different writer you know somebody else could you know tackle that subject matter so i think i think it makes sense um it certainly won't be the most anticipated project that they do you know not by me Mm -hmm. and probably not by most people but there is more there there absolutely is more and i also suspect that these characters at least a few of them are going to be very central to whatever the future iteration of the avengers will be. absolutely they're going to be very central so you have to you have to create more roadmap exactly so there has to be more roadmap for that um the other one that we just found out um from rosario dawson she was just recently over this past weekend at the Chicago Comic and Entertainment Expo, and she said apparently that she just found out that the Punisher is going to be coming back, and John Bernthal himself, who played the Punisher in the Marvel Netflix universe, will be returning as well. And she ended off by saying, like, let's make it happen, sort of as a charge to fans to say, like, you know, if you if you say you want it, it'll happen. But she's also kind of low-key confirming that it is happening <laughs> in a kind of weird roundabout way i don't really get the statement if i'm being honest with you but her words she said that she found out yesterday that it was happening again so i don't know how else we should interpret it but the fact that the punisher's coming back now how he will come back when he will come back don't have those details but it seems like marvel is not only going back to the well on the vincent d'onofrio charlie cox Marvel mm-hmm. Netflix character that they might also be returning back to John Bernthal himself to come back as Frank Castle, aka the Punisher. What are your thoughts on this one? Um, man, Rosario, man, I think she was just one. She's having a great weekend. I think she was excited because <laughs> did you see Dave Filoni hit her up? <laughs> yes, so she's super excited about Ahsoka. Got a little bit of a head yeah. of herself. She, yeah, she's she's out there kicking it, bro. I'm pretty sure she had a shot or two um, during this whole expo, man, but. She said, found out yesterday Punisher is happening. And it's like, well, man, what really happened, she got a call and they were like, will you be Claire Temple again or something? That's what really happened. And she's like, hey, guys, Punisher's happening again. Like, I want you guys, I want you guys to forget that I was a part of this universe at all. The Punisher is happening, guys. And you're just like, "Mm, why if you out of all people would hear that the Punisher, we were supposed to just like forget who Miss Night Nurse uh, over here. But I I, I love, um, I just love this, that. The, the way the energy i think in which she like says something like this you know what i mean like uh uh to let people know that that the punisher is coming back in in this way um so yeah man i'm, I'm excited for it of course we just talk, got done talking about john berthal um a little bit but to see punisher back in any capacity i'm really excited for really bring back the entire defenders universe except finn jones is iron fist and i'm good in fact make jessica henwick 
fucking Iron Fist. I'll be down for that shit. Like, <laughs> and, and and I'm good. But I think again, slowly and surely, they they are going to start to bleed some of that stuff over. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if they were, they brought uh, uh, Jessica Jones in something later on. Down. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not going to be surprised because of the Charlie Cox and Vincent D'Onofrio of it all, and now because of the Punisher slash John Bernthal of it all. But I can't wait to hear like a super official one. You know, where they're like. Just like we we just seen, they're doing Dare Daredevil, Born Again. Like I can't wait to see. Like, oh, here's the Punisher, also in Daredevil, Born or something. You know what I'm saying? Like I can't wait to see where he pops up officially. But again, to hear it this way is like Rosario knows something for real, for real. So I ain't gonna like not trust her. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So I'm I'm excited. A little bit out there, but I think uh, I think the reason that 18 episodes will be premiering with daredevil born again is because they're going to bring everybody back i think that they're gonna bring everybody back the, the, this feels this born feels again. like that yeah no seriously it's 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 <laughs> what is it a double entendre double whatever it is like i don't know the official mm-hmm. terminology but it has more than one meaning like yes born again popular comic book but it's also like literally like a rebirth of these characters now born anew in the mcu they did the same thing with spider-man homecoming like that meant more than yep. one thing right so <laughs> I think that this entire Marvel Netflix universe may be saved for Finn Jones. Um, although that would be that that would suck. I'm not gonna lie. I mean, I didn't like he, that show, but that would suck for him. <laughs> that would really suck <laughs> for him if he was the only one that he can call back. They gotta at least like not call back somebody else. But I I, I suspect that the reason that that series is 18 episodes is because it's not just about Daredevil. It's gonna be about all these characters. So they need mm-hmm. the time to tell that story because to go from six to 18 is drastic. That's yeah. three times the amount of what you've been doing. <laughs> like, why? What, I mean, yeah, Born Again is important, but damn, 18 episodes, you've never taken on that type of endeavor why? before. And so mm-hmm. I, I can only surmise that maybe the reason is because they need all of that real estate to exist because they're not only going to bring back Charlie Cox's Daredevil appropriately in that story. They're not only going to have Kingpin. They're also going to go back and bring back Jessica Jones and maybe Luke Cage. And and and, nope. and um, what, what what's uh, Misty Knight's character and uh, the other one? Um, the... Uh, the sisters of the I can't I can't remember what their name. Um, you mean like Nightshade and all them? You, well, yeah, that team up with Misty Knight and the other and the other woman. Um, you know, I think there's there's just a bunch of iterations of those characters oh, that they you're might. Oh, talking about her and Colleen Wing. You're yes, about, yes, um, yeah, um, uh, yeah. Daughters of the Dragon. Daughters of the Dragon. So I think they might be going back to the well on all of that stuff. Could be dead ass wrong. Obviously, you know, it could just be a Daredevil story, but. This might mm-hmm. be that. This might be like, oh, Punisher is also going to be a part of that story. Or it could also mean Punisher's getting his own, you know, show at some point in time. Um, but it'll be interesting because we know that that John Bernthal prediction. I mean, all of those Marvel Netflix shows were violent and, and explicit. That was the most violent and explicit. Like, that was on even another level. Woo. Like, we're, we're approaching <laughs> NC-17 territory, if we're being real with that one. So mm-hmm. I just... I don't know how they do it. I don't know what it looks like, but I'd, I'd be totally on board. John Bernthal killed it in that role. That is that is really another standout for him, one of his best performances as a character to date. And just everything he did with Daredevil in that series in season two, my God, oh my goodness. If we can get that back again. Daredevil gee, season two is... It's 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 elite. It's top tier. It's it's one of the best comic book adaptations of anything we've ever seen. It's, it's incredible. So if they can recreate that magic, hell, I'm, I'm, I'm on board for it. Um, in the last item, talking about somebody getting ahead of themselves, I think that this is also another case of that uh, also at another <laughs> con that just happened this past weekend at the tgh superhero car show and comic-con in san antonio the one and only Giancarlo esposito confirmed that he's had meetings with marvel or at least he's met with marvel one time he's had a he's had a general meeting this is not out of the norm a lot of actors have general meetings with marvel this is this is taking place and sometimes it doesn't go anywhere like taron edgerton 
A lot of people are calling for him as Wolverine. He's mentioned he's had a general meeting with Marvel. Nothing's come to fruition yet. So it's not uncommon for that to occur. And it doesn't necessarily mean that something will happen. It's just it's just a meeting, right? And so he mentioned that he did have a meeting with Marvel, but fans asked him, like, well, who would you want to play if you got a chance to play in that sandbox? And he most notably highlighted Magneto, Doctor Doom, and Professor X as potential MCU roles. Sounds familiar. Think it all makes sense for what the fan casting <laughs> has been for like the past, I don't know what, five, six years, um, especially with the Fox acquisition and like the reality mm-hmm. that these characters might be coming into play now. Um, this is prob- this is the most least confirmed thing I think out of this list. Like the, the other two, probably close to actually really happening. This mm-hmm. one could still be really far off because we have no sight of the X-Men, you know, in the near future. And also like Dr. Doom, who knows when that character will will will, will surface in the MCU. But what do you what do you think about Giancarlo joining the MCU as a whole? And who would you want to see him play? Who specifically would you want to see him take on if he were to join the MCU? Man, uh, first of all, you know we love Giancarlo on this on this show, man. Uh, directly, indirectly, <laughs> we talk about this dude all the time um, and how I think we enjoy him as as an actor, man. He really is not only talented, but at this point he's decorated, bro. Like you can't tell me this dude isn't a legend. He's literally done it all and seen it all at this point. Except being in the MCU, <laughs> so I, I think it's time. I think he really out of out of all these, uh, uh, it's it's. We talked about this offline too on on Twitter, I think. But it he can be either Professor X or Magneto. I still have a different vision for Doctor Doom than him. Um, I I would love for Doom to be closer to a a. I don't know, maybe just somebody younger than him. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, in in. I think the also the power that Doctor Doom, I don't know, withholds. I, I also just imagine somebody a little bigger in stature than Giancarlo is. He's not the biggest person <laughs> in the world, you know what I'm saying? But I, I absolutely still very much see him as a Professor X or Magneto. It's just too perfect to say no to, man. Um, you know, we talked about, uh, we also talked about uh, fan casting Brian Cranston on the other side of whichever one. And you even talked about how you could switch them, and they both make sense. <laughs> I was like, God damn, you actually blew my mind when you said that shit. Isn't it crazy? Because I was like, I was like, yes, <laughs> they both work. Um, I, I still like the Brian Cranston as Professor X just because he's bald all the time. <laughs> <laughs> he looks too perfect for it. He just looks too perfect, man. And I, I love Giancarlo on the other side because Magneto always has like these gray hairs yeah. coming off the side of his head, which Giancarlo already has. <laughs> like it's right there. But um, it is what it is, man. He can he can literally play anything he wants, and I'd be happy. But I would love for him to have a bigger, more prominent role in the MCU. And one of those two would definitely do it, man. Either either one, and I'm happy. But I'm 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 still leaning to the Magneto side at this time. For sure. He also mentioned a uh, a Doctor Freeze, which I looked and I was like, wait, what? There's no Doctor Freeze in Marvel. That's not a character that exists. <laughs> and I was like, wait, what is what does he mean by this? And I'm wondering if he also actually meant to say Mister Freeze, Mr. and maybe <laughs> maybe he's getting his wires crossed, and he met with DC instead of Marvel, and we're we're being just Dr. completely led astray. <laughs> so I'm like, wait a second, is John Carlo gonna pop up as Magneto and Mister Freeze in the Batman two from Matt Reeves? Who knows? Maybe I don't know. Um, that being said, though. Giancarlo coming into the MCU, I've been here for it. He he's really one of my uh one of my favorite actors, I think, if I'm being honest about it. Especially when it comes to TV. He's been ruling TV. I'm I'm, you know, in the in the in the last days of Better Call Saul as we speak. 
and mm. he, the the new shades of his character that he continues to show as Gus Fring is just it's astounding that he continues to mm. evolve and iterate on that character even after almost 15 years um oh, on top yeah. of everything else he's played you know the the man has a resume that's incredible we talked a lot about him on the boys as well um if i had to pick i would only say professor x because it would be different for him because he's been the villain mm. for so long now so long He's yeah, done so many villain roles because of what he did as Gus Fring, and that 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 really helped bolster his career into other TV shows like The Boys, where he's playing sort of a villain again. He's mm-hmm. a villain in The Mandalorian. He's a villain in Far Cry. You know, he's he's really tackling villain roles in almost every medium at this point, which is great. You know, line his pockets from from here to eternity because he deserves it. But if I want to see him challenge himself on top of like having a very prominent role in the MCU, like you said, and be around for more than like one appearance, I think Professor X can also get it done. And I would love to see him be a little bit more altruistic and maybe be a good guy, somebody we can root for, which can show us a little bit something different from him and as an actor that we haven't seen in a while. What I will say is that Marvel has been doing a good job of implementing ideas from newer comic books, right? What I will say is that in the new age of X-Men... If we if we don't go to the original team, or if we if we evolve from the original team quickly after they're introduced, mm-hmm. we might go to Krakoa, which means there's a whole mutant island man in the world. But in that world of Krakoa, Magneto is not a bad guy. In fact, mm-hmm. he's like the president. So like in some ways, in my mind, I'm like, what if they go with that? And he's mm-hmm. not a bad guy. Mm-hmm. He's just the president. He's still the, he's still the leader, which. I actually think they're leaning in in um, X Men '97. Yes, where at the end of that, yeah. Professor X isn't there. Magneto has to become the leader of the X Men, really, and he can still play that character and still not be a bad guy. So that's just another thought throwing out there um, that could it's just a possibility, you know? No, I mean you're very right because the big the million dollar question is how 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 are the X Men going to be done in the MCU? How do you make exactly. that happen with mutants? Krakoa? And and Krakoa is a very reasonable way to go about that. And to your point about iterating on new comics, they they are not afraid of that at all. You know, like they they've done it many times over. Like even just the past seven eight years, they'll go to like more recent stuff and say like, well, this is going to be our new direction. This is how we're going to go. So shit. Now that you say that, that's actually probably going to be right on the money. If it is in fact him in the right. role, and if in fact it is Magneto, um, there's going to have to be a little bit more work done there, just because of like. Oh, origin sure, story and back you know it's there's all there's, kind of shit. there's all kinds yeah. of stuff that i just i don't have a clue on, on how they're going to address it and it still might be really really far away but that's an interesting interesting sort of route that they could take they could be very different than than what we've already seen out of the x-men and mutants before in, in previous films so we will certainly have to see but with that being said ladies and gentlemen that's all we have for this episode of two black nerds thank you again as usual for tuning into another podcast we will of course be back next week because we have to talk about the brand new netflix film starring jamie fox day shift that's coming out this upcoming weekend so we will be back to review that we also have to get to the sandman which also recently premiered on netflix there's 10 episodes of that i'm hearing it's incredible can't wait to check that out i am Groot is also debuting on disney plus later this week five new shorts about the lovable small tree from the guardians of the galaxy we'll certainly be checking it out and hopefully we'll talk about that and maybe we can also circle back to p valley and talk about that finale because that will debut this weekend as well so we will certainly have plenty to get to and plenty to talk about next week but until then we will see y'all next time Yes, 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 y'all. With that being said, we are Audi 5000. Please check out our Nerds of Thunder collection at 2blacknerds.com, inspired by Thor, Love, and Thunder. This is the year of 2022 Black Nerds, and remember, always bet on black. Appreciate y'all. Love y'all. Thank you for listening to another episode of 2 Black Nerds, where we're too black, too nerdy, and we out, y'all. Peace.
boys. Yeah, all you niggas are dogs. So when you get this pussy, I put you in all fours. Whoa, you need a big man. Aston Martin, big mansion, no apartment. I give you working, but it's loving. High hopes, but it's all for nothing. Yeah, I miss you every single day, but you don't even look my way. I really wish you were.